This is Talking During Movies, a weekly podcast where the conversation is driven by key moments and quotes of the film we are watching. Sometimes our guests have seen the film and sometimes they haven't. There are three ways you can enjoy talking during movies. One, just listen. Two, listen and drink. Three, listen, drink, and watch the movie. If you want to know in advance what movie we'll be talking over, follow us on Twitter at TalkDuringMovie or follow us on Instagram at TalkingDuringMovies. Want us to talk over your favorite movie? Email us at TalkingDuringMoviesPodcast at gmail.com. Talking During Movies is brought to you by The Experience Firm. Define, design, deliver. First time I've said that and haven't messed up. We're getting better, folks. The Experience Firm is all about outrageous experiences that build the brand. Get your customers talking and give you ROI. Simply put, the experience firm does what everyone else is afraid to, to do. There, I had to mess up. You always got to mess up on one. We are also brought to you by Dirty Bills, our home, our sanctuary. This beautiful, dark hallway bar, it's the best. It's the absolute best. Get over here, West 6th off Rio Grande. Dirty Bills is the worst gay bar in all of Austin and probably the best dive bar in all of Texas. Now joining me today is my new friend, companion, compadre, buddy, entrepreneur, investor, CMO, innovator, challenger of how you see things, Mr. Paul O'Brien. We had a great conversation. One of the things you're gonna know, you're gonna hear throughout this whole podcast is Paul's on point. He definitely has things that he wants to get across, and we're using the movie Iron Man to get those across, and he does a beautiful job. He has a couple of drinks with me, ends up having a little whiskey with me. He was awesome. It was so much fun. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this as, as much as I did, especially for uh, you entrepreneurs out there that are looking at something and want to watch the rebuild, the life cycle of how things go, and the ups and downs of starting a company or, or starting something new like this podcast. There's no one better uh, to listen to than Paul, that's for sure. So he, once again, he did a marvelous job. I'm so thrilled that on very short notice, he could jump in and make this happen. He's definitely going to come on again. Uh, we, we, had, we had an absolute blast. Anyways, folks, enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much. And yeah. Talking during movies. Thank oh, you very much. Man, you can't beat a beer in Austin on Friday at noon. <laughs> Noonish, right? <laughs> it is it noonish, right? As as a tradition here, uh, folks, it's there we go. He already opened his Craig uh, it, cheers. Well, I can toast. Toast, I can absolutely. Toast to uh, to Michael Downey Jr. Go Robert Downey. Robert Downey. I, I feel weird to, it feels <laughs> weird to Michael Downey Jr. <laughs> probably his brother or cousin, right? Very excited. Uh, folks, we're here, uh, of course, at Dirty Bills. Um, Leslie, kind enough once again to open up the bar. We are going to click on our movie today, and is Iron Man a 
I would say the richer, better version of Batman, maybe. <laughs> better? All right, we're going to fight over that. <laughs> we're going to fight over that. Perfect. We're going to fight over better. Rich, richer, I'll give you that one. Sure. <laughs> nice. It's, it's, and I've got some interesting stuff. I definitely want to run by you on this because I, I think there's some some things that we can align with what's going on. and what. It, it, there's a whole big theme that I see through, throughout the movies in this, so I'm excited to have you on here, uh, especially from the media side because – there's a lot of spin that happens as he works with the military, which I think is fun. Yep. Uh, and a lot of tech. So, folks, we're at 27 seconds, and I'm going to hit play here. And here we go. And we're at 28, 29, 30 seconds into the movie. The Marvel name has just popped up. We're uh, we're live. We're, we're ready to go. I'm remember, make sure. remember when you saw that for the first time, that new animation in the Marvel films? Oh, yeah. It's like one of those, those quintessential moments in it's, people's lives where you see the first – Really sweet superhero movie in that—that's like the old HBO oh, when HBO's B-roll came up and yeah. the movie was starting, and you're like, "Yeah, get the popcorn, something's get, coming." Get it ready. Here we go. Now, but so in, in the world where I'm pretty sure God just won't let me win the lottery, and there's a lot of reasons why. One of them is is this movie opens up with ACDC back in black as he's riding down with military vehicles. If you if you won that hundred two hundred million dollar lottery. A billion dollar lottery and you've got a hype man or woman are you what, what music are you playing are you coming into every place with acdc and then you sit down i will i will put it this way first <laughs> that that uh boom box that they've got in the humvee there yeah my, my daughter has that it costs about 10 bucks and it's at walmart <laughs> so the first thing i'm going to do is get a much much better <laughs> better way of playing something what would i play man that's a good question you always gotta have that kind of you know coming out on stage music, and I don't I don't really know if I have one because I I am such a superhero geek and, okay. and loved your point that there's kind of a, a behind the scenes story that we should talk about as we watch this. Oh yeah, because I passionately believe that a lot of what we watch as kids, mm -hmm. Superman was was my big one. Superman for, kind of defines who we are. I got goosebumps. So Superman was the first movie that I, superhero movie I watched. I watched it with my dad in Portland, Oregon. So I, my parents were divorced. I get to fly out and see my dad. And I fly out, and, they, and this is going to be back in the day when there's like, there's one movie playing at the cinema. Sure. And there's a line around the block, and you're not pre-ordering tickets. This is, Fandango doesn't exist, kids. You millennials, you spoiled brats. This is stand in line, hope you're trying to count, and be like, how many does this theater hold? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We sit down, we get the popcorn, you get the hot tamales or the milk duds, you get your soda, and you get to watch a movie. It's crazy. But I mean, Superman was that first one for me as well. Yep. Yep, and I and I love though how that that experience is actually coming back to us. And frankly, it's kind of why we're doing this podcast, right? Yeah. That, that sitting at home, you can have a, a a projector, you can have a big screen, you can have a great sound system. You bring friends and family over, you have a few good drinks, you got people talking in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just like sitting in Alamo Draft House as everybody's watching a movie, throwing popcorn at the screen. It is. It's 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 uh, it's a it's a little mix of the Draft House when uh, when you get to do the sing-alongs and, yeah, yeah. and Mystery Science Theater all all at the same time. Um, so here's here's my first thing that I've noticed about. So one, uh, you know, as as Tony Stark, as we find out, he's Stark Industries makes military weapons. He's a billionaire. His dad helped with the atomic bomb. I mean, that's all the background. And you you if you don't know, then you don't know. But the interesting part is, is I'm wondering, is Tony Stark looking at it from today's perspective? Like if you're a cynical youth, but you love comic books. Is he the romantic love child of a popular Dick Cheney meets Eric Prince? <laughs> <laughs> put, a, put a little bit of thought into this. No, I. No. 
No, what what I what I love about the Stark storyline is is that he is he's this phrase referred to as an unintentional entrepreneur. Okay. And if you think of if you think of the Iron Man suit and becoming a superhero as being a startup founder and starting a company. Yep. This this set of scenes right here, uh-huh. he became that because he had to. Yep. I, I don't think he had any aspiration of being anything but but the golden boy from from his father. Okay. Who, who got handed a handed a, a multi billion dollar war industry mm-hmm. and, and he just kept playing with it. He just kept going with it until until something forced to change. So he was more of an Elon Musk Cheney Eric Prince Lovetro? I mean, <laughs> because, was, because, uh, because, because there's this aspect, right, of where he is. I mean, he talks multiple times in the movie about this idea that the person with the biggest sword wins. Mutually assert, assured destruction wins. It, it seems like, I understand the unintentional part, but it seems like at the beginning, he is, he's not a warmonger, but he understands where his bread is buttered. And he is, he is a person that supports if you will, um, having a bigger, badder missile or toy or whatever. Well, sure, sure he is. I, I think he's a quintessential capitalist, though. Okay. And, and, and I mean that in a positive way. I yeah, don't mean no, in a negative way, right? I mean, he's, he, he knows this industry. And I think this is a funny twist in the movie where they go from the fact that he's, that he's you know, in Afghanistan, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he, he almost gets hit with his own weapon. Yep. Uh, and then they switch the movie a little bit and start talking about robotics and how brilliant it is and how he got to meet uh, uh, Bill Gates and all that kind of stuff. It's yep. this strange twist in the film where it's trying to point out almost prematurely that okay. he's not really just a weapons warmonger. Yep. <laughs> he, even though at this point, that's really all he is. I mean, he's like a womanizing weapons monger, right? I mean, all he does <laughs> yeah. is drink, hang out with beautiful women. Right. And then, um, you know, and, you know, of course, he's, he's missing his award because he's, he's going to be gambling. Uh, real quick, what's your... What's your thought on awards? Are they a fancy popularity contest, or is there some real merit to them? There is real merit to them. Okay, Un- unequivocally. That okay. one of one of the one of the underlying storylines in, in the Stark narrative that I love is is again as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, mm-hmm. he's brilliant. He's a technology professional, but but what really comes across in this narrative is how important it is to tell a story. How important yep. it is to get out there, make sure people know who you are. Right, mm-hmm. we all know who Stark is. That, yep. That's that's the poignant pivot in this in this this storyline. Yeah, when he comes out, right, he's he's more Elon Musk than, he than anybody. He's a showman, uh, and and these award experiences are part of our economy. They they give folks a forum. They 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 teach everybody. They show everybody cool things that are happening. They they matter. They absolutely matter. I think it's interesting. You bring up you know we we brought up Elon Musk a couple times here. I, I think it's really fascinating, right? Because when you look at him and what he's doing, and, and you think about I mean, it shows him partying and having fun, but it also shows him throughout the movie pulling all-nighters and, and sleeping at the office or yep. at his office. Yep. Maybe not physically going into an office, which for the for the time when this movie was made, you know, there was there there really wasn't the sensibility of work from home and get it done. You work harder from home. It was show up to the office still. I mean, that's it's it's a relatively new experience, except for entrepreneurs, sure. for people to do. And he's showing actually get my best work done away from the office. I don't have to show up to the board meetings. I don't have to do stuff and and yet still get a lot of things done and at the same time have fun. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. He's almost more you saw the social network. He's yes. almost a little more Zuckerberg in the early days. <laughs> <laughs> and and it and it grows into Elon Musk perhaps. Yeah. Right? Gr- grows into it but uh and and it definitely has the um the the panache of of, of, of a Bruce Wayne at the same time. Right. Man, man, I miss Caesar's Palace. I used to go to Vegas probably twice a year. I, really? I spent a few years in Arizona, and you could drive up there in four or five hours. See, I, I used to live in... Sit down at the table. Oh, I used to live in Newport Beach, and we would do the runs. 
we would leave on Friday at like seven o'clock at night when the traffic was just starting to die down and we'd shoot out to Vegas, gamble all night long, have fun, yep. go out. And then Saturday morning when the sun was up and it was burning your eyeballs, boom, boom, there we go. You'd be sitting at the pool. <laughs> sitting at the pool. <laughs> Outside doing morning. nothing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting. And I, um, so as an entrepreneur, as a person who's worked with the media, he gets, you know, he is, he's a fascinating piece in the fact that he's unapologetic and he's honest. And I, I mean, one, I don't see that enough from business leaders or entrepreneurs to, to begin with, but I mean, I, and I'm not, he sleeps with the reporter, which is always a, you know, I think there's a, there's a line that can be drawn previous to that, um, that, that stops that. But I want to get your take on when you see him and then also you see yourself in, in addressing either tough questions or, 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 th or things of that nature from the media. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? I mean, I love how he handles it, right? It's right here. The, the wrong way. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> this is, listen. No, I, I, the reason I, I think this is such a, a fun and wonderful film for uh, uh, the folks listening to, to think about in the context of being a business owner, not, not even an entrepreneur, but just being, being somebody professional working in the industry is that, is that being able to talk to folks is, is actually rather critical, right? Being, yeah. being able to take those questions as they come, uh, almost being dismissive if they're irrelevant, you know, you kind of see how Stark does that. He looks yeah. off like, ah, oh, come on, seriously. Uh, or, or attacking them or, or being transparent or being honest or, or not. Right? It, it's actually a wonderfully critical skill for folks to develop. Yeah, um, it's kind of what we're doing here, right? We don't yeah. have a script. We're just we're just talking to each other. If if he if if you're trying to start a company, and 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 someone wants to talk to you about what you're doing, and and you don't quite yet have the gumption or the comfort or even the familiarity with what you're doing to be able to do that, go focus on that first because people are going to want to talk about what you're doing. You got to be ready to go. You got to be on the ball all the time. Yeah, I mean, so you know, you you know Elijah, and uh, it was funny. So, quick quick side on Elijah. It was, we uh, we were talking and we did one of these and um, one of my friends you know he goes hey who's this Elijah guy like he had some interesting things to say he kind of put you on the spot a couple times like well that's what we do to each other it's it's a great thing but one of our goals that we always tell companies is that advertising's great but it's better to start a conversation than to push an agenda yep like what question are you going to ask or what are you going to do and, and Stark does this well throughout the whole movie right he starts conversations. He ignites the media. He ignites the people around him. He works hard on certain things to start a conversation, like we're doing. Like he's like this movie is starting a conversation about something versus pushing an agenda. And I think it's critical, especially when you're working with the media. What are you going to do so that that story starts a conversation about your company instead of looking like an advertisement? Well said. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so we are um, now as. We're looking at this, and I'm going to jump ahead here real quick. Um, we uh, Stark's got some cars. Are you a car guy? I, I had a 1970 Buick Wildcat convertible Ooh. in college that I nearly took apart and put back together. And then I sold it because I didn't care for how big it was, and it got about eight miles to the gallon. Eight gallons to the mile. <laughs> 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 and now, and now I miss it. But, uh, but back I, then, yeah, yeah, I'm a car guy. But I'm, I'm, but I'm that old car guy. I don't see myself ever in a Tesla or, a, a, you know, any, anything new. It's just not my taste. I'd rather have like a 1956 Bel Air. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's my taste. This that hot rod that he's that got. Hot rod. Yep. I had a '67 convertible Cadillac. Oh, nice. 
which I mean, my friends could stand up and walk past each other in the back seat. It was just it was a two door beast of a car. Someone borrowed it, and by borrowed it, they stole it. Probably started it with a pen and drove it away, and <laughs> it's gone. Oh, you're kidding! It's gone. But I, I listen. I, I'm with you. Like I would love, I would love a, a late '60s Corvette Stingray. Sure. Uh, you know, I, 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 there's something about driving a car. I, this is where I think there's a there's a generational gap of that idea, and there's a broad mix here of his automobiles from the R8s and the Rolls Royces and everything else to what we get into. But it's there's a gap of people that want the Tesla, that almost want to be hands-free driving sure. and just do other stuff. Sure. And then there's the feel of the road. Yes. And driving a car that's almost like a Rhino on roller skates. Yep. That it doesn't have what the Audi R8 has. It doesn't have what the brand new ZR1 right. 11 Vet has, right? right? It's, 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 it's To me, that's an interesting question in the context of, of how American society these days is starting to evolve from everybody wanting a car, doing the road trip, uh, being able to take apart your car, put, put it back together. We're evolving into the society of, we don't need cars anymore. Let's get rid of cars, right? We can all bike and walk. And, and, and I think it's driven by the fact that no longer does, does a 16-year-old get a, uh, you know, a $500 car that, that's 20 years old that's a piece of crap, yeah. and they got to make it work. Mm-hmm. They've got to make it, they got to learn how to just change the oil, yeah. <laughs> right? In, instead, we live in these more dense urban environments where you don't even need a car, or you get handed a really nice car <laughs> because we're a wealthy economy. It's, yeah. yeah, you've got this entire new generation of people who, who just don't have any feel for the fact that that, that automobile is a classic characteristic of what it means to be American. It's just a part of our culture. I heard a guy talking, and it was very interesting what he said. He goes, cars spend 85% of their time sitting and only 15% of the time in use. Sure. We could get rid of 100 million cars around the world, and if we, we made a model almost like easy car, I think zip cars we have here, right? Yep. yep. Uh, and people would just use them, or Faraday Future has this idea of cars being more of a portal that you call them up like Uber, sure. and they take you from point A to point B. And it's like, isn't that a great future? We're not wasting as much. And on one hand, I'm like, sure, there's some waste, but there's a beauty in defining who you are and what you do that even in a little bit of waste makes so much sense. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's precisely my point. And it's funny that, we're, right, we're watching Stark in the, in, in the Stark private jet here, right? That, oh. that these, these, these technologies, these forms of transportation, they're actually a part of our personalities, right? Yeah. The, the car I drive represents who I am. I'm not as... I'm not as open to the idea of sharing a car with, with anybody and it just being a you know, Toyota Prius because Toyota Prius isn't who I am. It's not characteristic of who I am, right? That, yep. that, that jet right there, that jet <laughs> is Tony Stark. It right? is. It, it, it's in the movie for a reason. It kind of defines who he is for us. It's different. It's, it's eccentric. Now, one of the things that happens in that jet, which I find, and I got to ask this question here, are you the guy who says, hey, because we're going to drink, let's have a drink, let's have some sake, and someone's like, no, 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 it's noon, we're not going to have some sake. I'm like, come on, let's have some sake. Or are you the person who says, no, 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 and gets talked into it? Are you the talker <laughs> or the talked into? Like I, Elijah's talked into, we both know Elijah, so I'm going to bring oh, it up yeah, a couple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. I talk him into some stuff where the next day he calls me and he goes, I, I, my head hurts, I hate you. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely the talk into. You're the talk I'm into? I'm the talk into. Yeah, and, and not even with regard to the drinks. I'm the kind of, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy that's going to get the car, yeah. uh, a brand new car, and then go scratch it. Just yes. so that, as I get people into my, my vehicle, as I get people in the, into the airplane, yeah. I don't care if we have some drinks and we spill in it, right? Nice, okay. You know, it's, it's it, it, you, you gotta encourage people to, to get to know you. You and do. I'm the guy to, 
I'm the guy to ask yeah. you to do it with you. No, I, I'm with you. I, I am that guy as well. I'm the person who goes, nope, come on, we're going to do this. Let's have some fun. We were, uh, we, we were out with, uh, with some friends and it was just, we we're just sitting around having a good time. And one of the, one of the ladies in the group were in our backyard and says, oh, you know, champagne would be nice. It's a beautiful day. And I walk out from the back of the house with three bottles of champagne already uncorked. And my wife's like, it's a Saturday. Three? Yeah. She's like, it's a Saturday at six o'clock. Like where I was going to make dinner. I said, and we will, yep. or we'll just have cheese and crackers out here with our friends. Who cares? Right. It's, right. This is, someone said champagne. She goes, no, but they didn't say we have to drink it now. And speaking of drinking yep. now, the guy's got a mobile bar. Right, look at that, it's showman. He's a showman. Pulls out the bar, and, and, and there's, no, there's no expectation that anybody actually do it. But no. it's, it's, it's a, it, there, there's, there's, a great, uh, there's a great set of talking points involved with when you, if you study debate, or you mm -hmm. study public speaking or, yep. or radio, great set of talking points when they teach that about how you either should just have a drink before you go on, just one, yep, because it loosens you up, or you just you just pretend to. If you walk out on stage with a glass of brown water, yep, it 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 causes the audience to get a little bit more comfortable because they assume, shoot, if you're on stage talking to me and you're able to drink while you're doing this, mm -hmm. then then you must know what you're talking about. I I can probably relax a little bit while I'm listening to you because. You must know your shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I spoke. So I spoke at the World's Fair Nano on the future of technology and drones, and I wanted to come out with a beer. Sure, because I'm of that. I'm of that. I, I believe that fundamentally, and and it goes back to 23 years ago when I was um, a pastoral ministries major in college, and I spoke at this church. And the first thing I did is I moved the podium off to the side. Yep. I grabbed the microphone and I sat down at the end of the stage. And I said, can we just talk out of eye here? Yeah. And people are like, oh, he's not trying to talk at me. He's trying to talk with me. Right. Like now we're engaged. Yep. And the same thing, right? You, you get that piece where you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm comfortable. And they said, I, I, I couldn't bring the, the, the beer out. So I ran back and I grabbed all the drones that we had at our, um, at our booth. And I brought them up and I gave them away. And I walked around the audience and I, and I gave them away. And I said, here you go. Now... Now we've got a commonality. You've answered some questions for me. You've engaged with me. Now we can have a conversation, right? If, you, if I can't drink, then I've got to give you something to let your guard down so that this is an easier conversation. It's yeah. a little more fun. Yeah, precisely. So he's got the, this is as low tech as it gets for a high tech guy. His chest is hooked up to a car battery so he doesn't die. I, this is actually one of my favorite scenes in, in all of the superhero films and, and comic books because I mean, we just, we just, took this guy off his pedestal. Yeah. I mean, we just knocked him down hard. And uh, this is really the reinvention of, of who he is and how this, how this becomes something amazing. And I actually love it. Cause if you, if, if we cross out of the, what do they call it? You, you cross behind the fourth wall yep. in, in television and film, right? What does it, what does it mean to cross behind the fourth wall? You actually see what real life is like, not, not what's going on in the film real life. This is Robert Downey Jr. And, mm -hmm. and my first experience with him was actually with Chaplin. Love the movie Chaplin. Oh, it was 20, great. 20 some years ago. Because I've got a kind of got that quirky, quirky attitude. I love Chaplin. I love Benny and June. Believe it or not, just because they're fun, silly kind of kind of characters and people. With with Downey Jr. there, and then what happened to him? Yeah. Right. He was he was a celebrity. He was a star. He was on top of the world at that point, and he got taken down. And and so the entire Iron Man story within the fourth wall is actually a story of how he's. Going through this experience right now himself, right? He's now yeah. coming out of it. He's reinventing himself. Robert Downey Jr. is yeah. reinventing himself just as Stark is. The, the, the uninsured, 
can't insure you. No one's going to touch you. Right. You used to be a Hollywood star. We just can't trust that you're sober. You're going to have to go to auditions. You're going to have to do this from the ground up, and someone's going to have to in some capacity. Well, I love it. I, I love it, though, because it's the, the, I, one of the secrets to life to me is just tenacity. Mm-hmm. Right? Look, I'm 42 years old. I've got 40 more years to go. I'm just starting. <laughs> All we got to do is keep going and, yeah. and, 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 and never give up, never let something get you down. I've been through some shit. I'm sure, I'm sure you've been through some stuff. That That's why this is truly just a favorite scene right here. And I kind of hate that we're talking through it. I feel like I need to go, shh. <laughs> because, because we're watching what it means to, to reinvent yourself, right? To, to push through this adversity, to figure out how to get through it and, yeah. and, and succeed in his case. And, and the option where he's got the shortcut, right? So he is given right now a shortcut that says, build me your super missile that you just showed off to the military, that we blew up the convoy to get you. Build me your super missile. Your chest is hooked up to a car battery. And instead he says no. Right. So when given the option in rebuilding yourself to jump ahead, to go from A, B, C, I'm going to put you on X right now. You don't have to earn it. You just have to cheat. Here's your cheat code. He says no and gets tortured. Right. And that, I, mean, I, think, I think to your point, that's a beautiful building block of saying, no, no, I've realized that maybe I got my prior success in cheating a little bit and doing a couple of things that skirted what I, what I should have done. And now I've learned from that. And now I'm going to, I'm going to do this right. Well, see, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's that he learned from it or, or more so that fundamentally he really actually knows who he is, right? That, that the public Tony Stark mm-hmm. is Clark Kent. It's a, it's a persona. Right? It's, yep. it's a way of showing things off. It's not who he really is. He's figuring out who he really is here now. This is, this is a, I do a lot of work with startups. Yeah. This is akin to that angel investor coming to you and saying, man, that's brilliant. I'll give you $100,000 for it. And, and though you knowing that eh, I don't really want that angel investor involved. I don't really need that money yet. I'm going to keep torturing myself, frankly, Yeah. as a startup founder. I'm going to figure out how to make this work the way I want it to work. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going through, right? He's, he's waking up and saying, yeah, I know I do that, <laughs> but I'm not doing it there. I'm not doing it in this case. I'm not doing it for you guys, even if it is a shortcut. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing what I do, and I'm going to do it in the way that I'm discovering is more appropriate to who I am. Yeah, and it's, you know, he, he goes through a couple of quick moral conflicts, right? He has the moral conflict where it says, build us this, and he says no. And then he sees his weapons in the terrorist's hands, and, we go, and he's like, oh, here's my second moral conflict. I realize that... I'm not in charge of my company. Yep. Now, here's a fun theme. We see the bad guy for the first time up in the hill, standing up there, and you know the music sets the tone. That's the bad guy. The w- Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this movie, <laughs> turn the volume down. You heard the music. Seconds. You, know it's the bad you heard the music. It's a bad guy. But every bald person in this movie is a bad guy. It's only- <laughs> Man, now you're making me think about my friends. I wonder if that's, wonder if that's accurate. <laughs> Now we've got to look. Listen, bald people. Yeah. I mean, no. Uh, but if they have hair on the sides, they're fine. Like the guy, he's almost I mean, the guy who rescued him, hooked him to the car battery. He's partially bald. It's like, yeah, he works for the terrorists, but he's also trying to save his family. He's trying to get sure, out of it. Sure. But he's working for the bad guys. He's kind of bald. You've got the fake bad guy who comes in and tries to say, build a missile. He's got the huge head of hair and the big <laughs> beard. And he wants to be bad, but dude, you've got to shave that head. And then. You have his business partner, the gentleman who ran the company when his father died, bald. <laughs> you have the bad guy in Afghanistan, bald. 
and it brings me to all of that brings me to, to, to this to two things one as, as we're at the, almost the same age I'm 43 or 42 we've watched the evolution of bad guys from the 70s 80s when they were when Rambo was coming on and everything was happening um, and then we are my goodness this is and then um, we, so we watched that then we watched the evolution of another thing happening which is we get from Rambo and here are our veterans and here are the people from this Vietnam War and these Asian people over here are the bad guys to then we go into the 80s and early 90s and all of a sudden now the Russians or the Eastern Europeans are the bad guys yep. and now we're in okay 9-11 has, has, has happened and now the Middle Eastern people are, are, are the bad guys right and I'm just I wonder at what point we don't see this movie enough is the rich white banker <laughs> who gets bailed out who does dumb stuff and buys congress people becomes the legitimate bad guy wait a minute no 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 it happened there, there's my michael <laughs> reference right it was wall street uh with with michael douglas Do you was, think he was the bad it, guy? It, well what all i mean it, that's that's what i was thinking of michael right okay. when i said michael downey jr yeah. robert downey jr michael douglas right yeah we, we did it we, we went through that era in the in the 80s mm-hmm. of of big banks Big finance, big New York, they're the bad guy. And, and, and I love your point, though, because I think what's interesting is that, yeah, American society and actually media in general, we always, we always need to have a, we need to have a them. Yep. Not even a bad guy necessarily, right? We need to have the them because there's always an us versus them narrative. And, and I'm just fascinated by bringing it up because when, when suddenly the Russians became the bad guys again mm-hmm. in the U.S. because of the recent elections. Yep. And I'm not picking favorites. We don't need no, to yeah, play yeah. politics. But we, suddenly the Russians became the bad guys again. And, I, and I, I looked at that and thought, wait a minute. Why are the Russians the bad guys again? What, did, what, what happened? What did, what did we do in the world? Why, why, why isn't it the Middle East anymore? What happened to, to North Korea? Okay, got it. Now the, bad, now the Russians are supposed to be our, our enemies. It, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's funny to me how we, we need to have that. Yeah, opposition, and I and I wonder if it's almost if it's almost only really for the sake of the story that the politicians, that the filmmakers, and I mean politicians, right? That we create the bad guy simply because we need one well, in so, order to cause people to do things. I mean, conspiracy theorists will tell you that the reason you have bad guys and the reason the Russians or the Germans pick us or North Korea or China or whoever the bad guy is that we're picked to stay divisive amongst each other because if we all were to join together and be able to focus on the corruption that's happening that they would lose their jobs I, that is the consp- that, or I, I i almost tend to agree with that <laughs> right i mean is right is is russia collecting data about what we're doing and trying to influence our politics of course they are and they have been for 50 <laughs> years i mean they've been doing it as long so as they could now, now right did 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 certain people bomb the world trade center and and is that an issue yeah does it mean the entire middle east is our enemy no, no. but we had to make a bad guy yeah <laughs> we had to have a bad guy for a period of time you know now we're dealing with north korea right can mm-hmm. north korea launch a ballistic missile over the u.s no they can't even reach it over here <laughs> and it's this little tiny dot on the map <laughs> But, but it's the new bad guys in the news today, right? Suddenly it's the, the new bad guy that we've got to, to pick on for some reason. Yeah, why don't we just unify 
who we are. Why don't we just start to figure out what we agree upon and, and build a better world rather than always having to have the the enemy that we've got to fight with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we create the enemy and we, we, we do weird things. I mean, historically you look back and, and you see the enemy, right? And the and the enemy goes from, from this idea of, okay, I mean, I'll take an example, Africa. If you look at a map, Africa looks almost the same size as the US. On a map. On a map. Now you drop the US on the continent of Africa, it's Texas. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I love, I love those those articles about how, you know, do we really realize how big we are in, yeah. in or, the grand scheme of things? Or compared to the country of Africa? Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. You know it's a continent. It's yeah, not a, it's not a country. And they treat it like a country. And it's, But it's, so we, we, we constantly, in this game of one-upsmanship, of, of trying to create the, this divisiveness, do little things like that. And I think some of it's human nature, right? I mean, especially for Americans, especially for Texans. We're bigger, we're better, sure. we do it. The, I think the dumb part is, and where we lose it, is that other people think that as well. They might have not develop the same cool technologies that we've developed here, but let's not assume that they don't have the same pride. That when they look at that map and understand how big the continent is that their country sits in, that they're not, hey, asshole, Thanks for the um, of Super Bowl championship New England Patriot shirts from last year that you guys printed off that you couldn't use because the Eagles won. Thanks for the hand-me-downs. Of course. Thanks for the lies. Of course. It's, it's why I'm concerned about the, the, the car discussion. It's why I'm concerned a little bit about the idea that we're losing our, our identity mm -hmm. as we get, get rid of these cars. Because, again, this, then, this very set of scenes right here. Yeah. You're, you're seeing Stark have that stupid confidence, that that overconfidence, that pride. I mean, he was just playing a game, right? With yeah. his, if you think about it, with his co-founder, he was playing a game. He was gambling yep. because, eh, I know we can do this. I don't need to work on it right now. Let's gamble a little bit, right? Let's let's play what, what was it, Baccarat or something, right? Yeah. Let's let's play a game while we're sitting here because he's got this overconfidence that is though is though grounded in a fact that he knows how to do some of these things, mm -hmm. right? And and he's got this other guy that's that's locked up with him that knows how to help him do some of these things. And and so they're really, again, they're rebuilding their identity, they're rebuilding, they're building a company with an overconfidence that they know they can take on these guys. Yeah. <laughs> they know they can build this machine, this the, the the first version of Iron Man. And so yeah, they're prideful, they're they're confident about it. And and you need to be, because yep. you've got to overcome adversity. Yeah, and he is, and he's doing it. And to, to your point earlier, you get the five hundred dollar car, right? And we saw him working on the car, and that allows him to know how to build something. Yeah. And right. now he's building his human car, if you will, his this piece of machinery that's not only going to defeat the the bad guys, but save him, and ultimately save save his company. Yep. It is. I mean, it's also interesting that he, they see him, they watch him play a game. They watch him monkeying around with uh, the leg working and the arm working, and then the, the ultimate, you know, that the head bad guy comes down. And he goes, "All right, you got. I want my missile. You got 24 hours." Sure. So, as an entrepreneur and working with entrepreneurs, when was the when was the last time you pulled an all nighter? <laughs> uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I have that. I have that penchant to just work all night. Pe people think I get a lot done because you see you see entrepreneurs working from nine to five. Yeah. Right? And they're like, how, how can you mentor? How can you go to these things and speak, you know, when you should be in the office working? Yeah. Well, the answer is because at 10 o'clock at night, I'm working. Exactly. <laughs> 
I know it's like I, I, my wife will come out. And she's like, "Are you watching another movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm doing this, and I'll watch this." You know, I watch this right, I think, right. three times just to just get some timing things down and and to to hopefully under try to understand it and read about you and understand it and try to create um, a, a conversation that that adds to a layer that 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 shifts the paradigm a little bit for how people will see this movie. Yeah, like I would love yeah. it if someone watches Iron Man again after this and goes, "You know what? Now I see my my entrepreneur friend differently. Now I see this startup." I differently. hope so. That's, I hope so. That's the point. Here, here's here's the thought. Here, here's part of why I love this scene so much. Yep. Right? Too many too many founders, too many entrepreneurs. It might be a, you might be a technical genius. You might be a business genius. You 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 come out with Iron Man, right? You come mm-hmm. out with the full thing, right? Here's what I'm going to build. Here's what I'm going to do, and I need funding for that. And what yep. does everybody do? They look at you like you're insane because yep. you can't conceivably build Iron Man. Yeah. Forget that. It's not going to happen. But what what we're actually seeing in this story is the entrepreneur journey that that he you know he Yes, he came from a, a place of privilege and he got knocked down, right? He came with the wealth, he came with the team, he came with the experience, and he got knocked down and he's got to start over, he's got to rethink things. The angel investor, here's my angel investor, the angel investor stuck this thing in his chest, Yeah. right? Something's going to happen because of that little bit of angel support. Mm-hmm. And, and he's stuck here with a co-founder, he's stuck with another brilliant guy who's going to help him figure out what, what that might become. And what did they start with? We, we missed it. It was about 10, 15 minutes ago. What did they start with? They started with a drawing yeah. of what it could be. And all they do with that drawing is they look at it and they talk about it. They're like, can we actually do this? Can we actually pull this off? That's how you start a business. You just sketch it out and go, is it possible? And right now, right now he's building his MVP and yeah. it's not going to work. No, it's not. <laughs> but what it's is it going to do? Work. What's he going to do? He's going to validate it. Yeah. Right. He's going to, he's going to break out of the cave and he's going to validate that. Hey, there might be something here. <laughs> I mean, and, and isn't it interesting too that you, and this is where you know entrepreneurs don't don't succeed, or or th- this is their first big stumbling block is you got this great idea, I want some money, and someone says no, sure, and they go okay back to the drawing board. I'm going to go do it, <laughs> or they go back to the drawing board, right? Well, and, they, sure. and they start all over again. They're like, I'm going to think of another idea until someone gives me money, versus doing this. Right. I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to hammer it out and I'm going to show you because I think there's a fundamental difference between someone that kind of wants to be an entrepreneur and do something and they want to compete versus an entrepreneur that wants to do something because they want to win. And there, there, there's, there's a difference of when someone says, no, you're like, okay, I'm still going to do it because I believe this is going to win versus someone that hears no and goes, all right, well, what's hip and what's easy? What is, what is easy to kind of copy today that's getting money so that I can get money and go after something? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I try to encourage folks that regardless of which of those two types of entrepreneurs you might be, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, you have to be that which wants to win. And, yeah. and what I mean by that, though, is no, though, win is a subjective conversation, right? Win, win can mean a lot of different things. But if you're not if you're not focused on what it means to win, in this case, survive and get out, right? Yeah. Or or if you're Elon Musk, get to Mars, or if you're Mark Zuckerberg, take over the internet, right? You, you have to understand what that that outcome is in order to then figure out how to get there. And mm-hmm. and most entrepreneurs I find don't do that. Right? Yeah. They they do they do say, look, I just want to have a business that's successful. Well, fine, but successful business actually means you still have to survive. You have to be able to compete with threats, you have to be able to pay people, right? So you still have to figure out the outcome. If yeah. win for you is a successful company, well, great. You don't need to get funding and go public, and right? 
but but you got to know what the outcome is going to be or uh, if you don't you you don't have a journey you don't have a map to follow you you all you're doing is looking at the, you know the next five months and figuring out where your next client's going to come from yeah i mean I, I tell people all the time i'll meet entrepreneurs and say we want to do x y and z and they've already started their company and let's say they've got some customers they come and talk to us and and, and i'll sit down with them and i say what, what's your outcome they go what do you mean they go what well, do you want an ipo do you want to get acquired and they said, well, I, I don't know yet. Yeah, or it doesn't matter. Or it doesn't matter. And right. I said, then, I'm not, then I can't work with you. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I need your help. And I said, yeah, but I only work with people that have an end result. I mean, I was very fortunate. I worked with a gentleman in Southern California, started a financial services company. I was a 25th employee. Years later, he sells for to IAC. His goal was to sell. His goal was to leverage PR, communications, and taking over a marketplace to only to get acquired sure. so that it could fund the next thing he wanted to do. Right. But he had a roadmap. And so we knew you, you know then how you can help them. Exactly. Right? Go, I got it. We got to go that direction then instead of this direction. Yeah. I can help you do that. I'm going to make you more famous than Dan Gilbert at Quicken Loans. And he's like, if you do that, this company will sell. Good luck. And that was his challenge to me. And I was like, all right. And then he was the most quoted man in the mortgage industry for years and got it done. Yeah. But that was him. I mean, I, I was able to facilitate an entrepreneur that had an end goal and that a desire of what he wanted to do to compete. And not just compete, but win. And he did. In the end, he won. Dan tried to buy it from him. And he goes, no, I want to beat Dan Gilbert. Sure. So I'm going to sell to LendingTree and IAC because then we can beat him together. And they lost that round, right? But in losing that round, he started Loan Depot, the second or third largest non-banking lender in the world. No, I'm kidding. To go after Dan again. I mean, this guy, <laughs> he wants to win. And I, and I mean, I love Anthony to death. But I mean, he's the guy who wants to win. He's the guy who, who does it. And but 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 the key in my point though is that win win is a subjective definition, right? And yeah. and you you can your definition of, of win could be that you want to pay off your mortgage and make sure your kids go through school. Yep. Fine. Define it that way, and then and then figure out how to accomplish that, as opposed to just trying to start a business, trying to serve some customers, trying to find a product market fit or problem solution fit. Mm -hmm. That that that's the beginning. And the beginning starts with the end, right? The beginning starts with what you're actually trying to accomplish so that you can figure out how to start and what steps to take, where to make the right investments, where to hire the right people, where to get the right people involved. So you can actually get to what you're hoping to accomplish. And hopefully in, in this in this scene, as he's coming out, he's in the Ironman suit, he's coming out, right? This is the genesis of, it looks like, now if you had never seen Iron Man and now you see it, you're like, okay, he built the suit. It's working. The bad guys are shooting at him and the bullets aren't piercing the armor. He's walking through, he's beating up bad guys. He's gonna knock down a steel door. It's amazing. But, and we're gonna jump ahead here and you guys watching, don't freak out if you're watching the movie and listen to this. But you know, he, one, I mean, he sort of runs into a little problem, his arm gets stuck. But two, he runs into a bigger problem when it's all said and done and it's like, okay, this has worked. The suit actually fails him. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those weird things where, okay, so it kind of worked, but at the end, when push came to shove and I had to land after I took off and it broke apart, and I'm sure you see this, you see people walk away from their dream because it broke versus I'm going to build it, make it better. I mean, right. you get the option. You can be the $6 million man in a wheelchair or you can be the $6 million man out there running around and saving lives. You know, uh, do you know Brian Massey? Yes. Brian Massey gives this great talk in, in an incubator that I, I help run here that uh, about how what a what a, a 
founder, a business owner, an entrepreneur actually needs to start with is what's considered the minimum non-viable product. Not the minimum viable product. Because, because too, many, too many folks I find build this minimum viable product with an expectation that, that yes, it's going to work yeah. and, it, and it's going to prove to everybody that we're fundable and, and this is what everybody in the market wants. Everybody's going to pay me for this. And, and by the way, that's never the case. <laughs> ever, ever, ever the case, right? This, the minimum viable product is this silver gray Iron Man suit, which was exactly what it looked like in the original comics. That's why I love this movie. But that's what the very, very original Iron Man actually looked like. Very neat to see it here. Um, but that minimum non-viable product was again that drawing, right? We, mm-hmm. could, we could do this, we could build this. Here's what it looks like, yep. Is it gonna work? Eh, maybe, maybe. but it is non-viable, right? He couldn't take that piece of paper and walk out in front of these terrorists and say, hey, let me out of here. <laughs> right? I, they had to, I will, this will get built. They, they had to build something, exactly. Yeah. They had to build something with an understanding and appreciation though that eh, it might not work. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay, because we gotta do it, otherwise we're screwed. I mean, there's your moment right there. There's the original Iron Man. Right? I mean, yeah, that is yeah. from the comics. Yeah, which, which almost disheartens me a little bit that it doesn't go beyond this, this yeah. scene that, that we never see the original Iron Man. We only see the, the more popular version of it. Um, do, you, do you now find it interesting? I, I always found this part very interesting and not just because I, I found this interesting when I first watched it. I was because of the podcast, but he built something that his weapons couldn't stop. They're all using Stark industry guns shooting at him. And he built huh. something in a cave with his bare hands at his lowest point that his highest tech at his highest point couldn't stop. <laughs> I need another. another <laughs> Man, I've never really thought of that. You're, yes, you're right. see there. You're right. And, and actually, and what I love about that, though, is that that's the very idea behind innovation. That's the very idea behind uh, right, being being disruptive as as a business owner, being being able to compete, being able to overcome. Right, we we talk about we we touched briefly on Mark Zuckerberg when I was making a crack about it, but but what what really bothers me about the social media and, and industry today and what's going on with the, the testimony before the Senate, right, was those questions that Facebook has a monopoly. No, in un- no uncertain terms does Facebook have a monopoly. They absolutely do not. There are, there are so many alternatives to Facebook out there that, that not only are there competitors, but, but you absolutely could create the competitor. And, and, and the didn't mistake- they beat competitors? I mean, well, friends are MySpace, of right? Of course, so- right? And, 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 it's, and it's what we're talking about here that, that yeah, the, Facebook is the previous Stark, right? There's this beast out there. There's this animal out there that could take out anything. Well, no, that's actually not true. Something can come along and figure out how to do it better. That's that's why we support entrepreneurs and we get excited about invention and we and we fund these things. That that frankly, taking down the the big dog is is something that gets us excited. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of you know Brock Reedy calls it fantasy theme analysis, and it's not the fantasy of unicorns; it's the fantasy of the idea that you can do something that you can. From, from the bottom to the top. You know, that's why Rocky is, is, such a, is such a classic movie and won an Academy Award. Be, because he went from zero to hero at a time when people didn't think he could. And when you look at those, when you look at those things and think about that, you go, oh, wow, there's a fantasy theme in this country that you can be a nobody, you can be small, you can be little. And by the way, kids, we're gonna open up a, another drink here. So 
Uh, if you're keeping score at home, you're, you should be, uh, you know, if you want to drink with us, you're on your, your second beverage. Is, is, is there a beer count? There, yeah, I, I keep or a beer film? count. Do we, I, I do. Is there a um, record? Um, I don't know if there's a record. It was funny. Should there be? Brian Mays, there probably shouldn't be. I don't want to encourage. Listen, I don't want to encourage. If you're at home drinking, by all means, just have your glass of wine. Have a good time. Um, if you want to drink with me, that's great. Brian Mays was in here from, from uh, KVU, and we're, we're having some drinks. And uh, towards the end of the movie, I went and grabbed one more. And he just, I think he forgot the mics when he's like, he's grabbing another one. I mean, he just kind of said that. The movie's room. over. When you're getting over, over. <laughs> I go, I got to pack up. And he's just like, you got to pack up. He had, and he had two course tall boys with me. I mean, he was, he was a sport in, but also, I mean, he's a professional, right? So he's the guy who doesn't drink on the air as he shouldn't. Um, and he, he does things a little differently. So to come into a bar and hang out and drink and then try to do something professional, I'm sure is a, is a curveball for any professional media person. And then there's entrepreneurs who, you know, you, you drink when you want to, you go do your thing, you have some fun. And I don't know that we live in, inside the same boundaries that, that he has to because of the career that he chose. Well, it, uh, interestingly to me, it gets back to that question of what, what your outcome and what winning means. Yeah. And then figuring out how you get there, right? Yep. As an entrepreneur, you're, you're at parties, you're at networking events. You, you need to be able to get on stage. You need to be able to talk to the press. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a having a glass to chill. Yeah. Uh, when doing that, and there's certainly nothing wrong with with being being that person who who gets a group of folks together and says, "Hey, I'm buying." Yeah. Maybe you're not drinking. That's okay. But 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 saying I'm buying. Why? Because it it lowers barriers to entry, right? It, it it enables people that maybe can't do that or or don't know how to have a conversation or or aren't comfortable talking about what they're doing. It enables people to let their their guard down a little bit and go, "God, okay, this." I don't have to be on my A game. I can chill out a little bit here and, 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 and start something with this group. Exactly. Now, Stark comes back. He's, he's coming in. He's meeting with the press. His first request is, before he goes to the press, he's not going to the hospital, is, I've been gone for three months, 90 days. Avengers right there. Avengers right I there, I know. Yeah. Shield. With Shield. the long name. Shield. What do you think of Shield? I don't mean to cut off your point. Yeah, no, but, it's, man, I loved how Shield started, and it just feels like it's... It's struggling to find its, its way. It, it's lost its way. In a, yeah, in, yeah. It just has. And, and some of that is also the comic books, right? Because the comic books, in, in a certain way, if you're actually following the legit comic books from A, a to Z, there was an era in the late 80s, early 90s when they kind of lost their way. Sure, yeah. Superman died and there was a bad And people were like, wait, what happened to my 50s, 60s comic books? You know, and, and now it's like, is Captain America a good guy or a bad guy? Is he secretly, you know, not with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and, and what, what's going on? So I think hopefully they, they can pull it back. Um, I see it being dropped down to, I think it's the CW or whatever that network is that has all the superhero. You know, I, I see them buying it sure. and, and revitalizing it and probably making it a little edgier than ABC wants to, wants to take on. And I think that's the other thing. You know, you've got a major network running this. If you look at Jessica Jones versus S.H.I.E.L.D., if you look at anything that Netflix has put out on the superhero side versus anything that ABC or the CW has put out on the superhero side, yeah. there almost needs to be a Netflix, a marvel of Netflix, right? Where, and maybe that, you're welcome Netflix, maybe that's a, that's a subsidiary that just says, if you're interested in Marvel, so are we, and it's been shown by the way we keep making all these great episodic features, and they focus on that with five or six, and S.H.I.E.L.D. being one of them, because there's a darkness to this that's starting to that's been been uncovered for the last 10 years but there's a darkness in superhero fantasy that i don't think gets touched on enough 
in the mainstream. No, and you're, you're right, though, because uh, it, it seems, though, not to work well in mainstream film, if I could argue I'd agree with that. that point, right? A lot of a lot of dark hero films have, have come out, and they haven't done terribly well. Maybe, maybe just because they weren't great films, but that, what, what I love about film is that there, you got to appeal to the masses, right? And so you get you get the old Superman, uh, right? The, the original Superman with Reeve was, I think, brilliant because he was just fantastic in that role. You get the the X Men, which is you know not not too dark, not too not too positive, right? It's mm-hmm. a commentary on society, and, but yes, it's television. It's it's streaming where we can play with this. We can we can go really dark, and and we can go really positive too, right? Yeah. There there are teen superhero. My kids watch superhero shows for, you know, seven to fourteen year olds, yeah. and they're they're fun. They're good. I watch them. Right? They're not, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're not anything that you'd sit down with a bunch of buddies with and watch. But but as a family, they're fantastic. Yeah. But, and you can do that on TV, right? You can't do that on film. Yeah, I agree. So now, real quick, let me jump back to this because we we live in a in a, a foodie capital, if you will. You're gone for ninety days. Start gets a hamburger. What's your you're locked in a cave for ninety days eating God knows what. What's your go-to food when you come home? Shepherd's pie. <laughs> Without a hiccup no, or a boss. I'm not, No, I'm not. You know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm too stereotypically Irish. I'm meat and potatoes. So if, if I... Yeah, you're not drinking whiskey. If I had... So how well, dare hey, you. I didn't know the bar was that open. The, the bar is open, sir. So, <laughs> right? If it, when, when I'm out for a nice dinner, of course, it is steak and potatoes. There's no other favorite meal that I have than, than steak and wow. potatoes. But home... Home cooks, right? I've been through hell. Want to just chill out, not worry about anything. I, you, you want that comfort food? Yeah, it's shepherd's, shepherd's pie. pie. Interesting. Uh, now, not know, the hardcore shepherd's pie, like yeah, haggis and whatever the hell you throw in oh. there. But <laughs> as, as, as Mike Myers once said, right? He goes, haggis is just it's it's a food that was created on a dare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if anyone's ever smelled haggis, they would agree. If you haven't. Uh, try to find a butcher that even I don't even know a butcher if you could carry it legally in the U.S. anymore. I, I, I would be shocked, but I, I would think you could get it somewhere, sure. Especially in a foodie culture like this, there's probably some restaurant in town that just has only serves that salt and thyme. They're like, listen, if you ask for it and you give us about three months, yeah, we'll get you some haggis for sure. Um, no, mine would probably be pizza. I'm I mean I'm I'm Irish, half Irish, half English. There's a fight in my in my soul that happens every morning when we wake up. But um, it's uh, there. There's a love of food for uh, there's a love affair with Italian food that, that I have for some reason I don't know why. But a cold beer and a slice of home slice is, is uh, I don't know that it could get much better for sure. I bet that I grew up I grew up competitively swimming, so I got fed pasta. Oh wow! You know, two days before those big swim meets, so I and, and so I love it. I love pasta. But there's also I wouldn't I also wouldn't consider it my comfort food. No, I understand. It's that. my all right. It's pasta night. I'm I'm down with pasta night. Do you um as we're watching Kramer uh, blast Stark Industries one? I think it's hilarious. Um, I mean Kramer's an interesting person. I have a good friend at CNBC who knows him very well. Uh, and has done some very kind things for friends of mine to put him put them in the room on the show to watch so they could watch the show live which yeah, right. he generally does not do yep and um, but I wonder I mean Kramer seems to be the weatherman of, of stocks and of the financial markets right? <laughs> where no one cares that he's I, wrong I agree the weatherman not the meteorologist yes the weatherman not the meteorologist <laughs> he doesn't understand it's like he kind of understands does that make sense sure. uh, 
but he keeps his job. Like he's the only imperfect person that goes, and I think maybe because he owns it sometimes, so I'll call that one wrong. Anyways, next, pick this stock. And he takes it on the chin. I mean, it, I think there's two themes that come in here that we're going to keep going over, right? Which is one, the entrepreneur side of things, of, of really tackling and going after stuff. And two, honesty and openness. Yep. And it's a reoccurring theme that is, if you, especially when you look when this movie was made, is pinnacle for what this country still is going through, which is, can we just be honest about what we're doing? Can you, can a business be honest about what it's going to do or not do? Zuckerberg, whether it's right or wrong, whether he had to go fix Wi-Fi for 10 of the senators that don't understand what it is or how a password works. What happens there? Is there an honesty and a transparency? And if there's not, why isn't it there and what happens? And the two as an entrepreneur trying to grow in your honesty and transparency, where are you not giving away your secrets? You know, and, and where are you sharing to really honestly grow with whether it's your investors, your yep. customers, yep. Or, or anyone else? Yep. Right? Well, I, I, I don't want to only challenge one thought there that sure. he's not the only uh, person on, on television making mistakes. That's true. And, 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 I, and what I mean is that everybody does. That, yeah. That's the reality to, to get down to is that everybody makes mistakes, everybody's going to screw up. What, what, the, the one, the one other piece of the Zuckerberg testimonial that I that I loved was because I can't figure out I can't figure out if it was planned or not was was when one of the senators and maybe you recall who it was but one of the senators uh, you know talked about the, the monopoly and how to you know how Facebook works and then he says so how do you guys make money oh and, I and don't Zuckerberg remember the name says well we sell ads yeah it's like the same way everything ever has made money in media right yeah since the dawn of the newspaper we sell ads and and I can't figure out if if that was because of his ignorance, if it was a genuine question, or if he actually was asking that intentionally to make sure that if he was if he was favoring, if he was actually supporting Zuckerberg and Facebook, if he was actually helping folks grasp that, you know what, this thing sells ads. That's how it works. Do you all understand that? Of course they're going to make money by selling you ads. I think you're way smarter than him. I, I think he'd ask because he just doesn't. I think that is a person much like my grandmother who clicks on an ad and goes, how did they know that I wanted this? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you know? that. I agree so, with that. But, you know, I, I mean, I think one, no offense to, to the people who help run this country, but not that smart. Um, two, I think, you know, that that if, if Zuckerberg had a better PR team, I don't think he has a good PR team. I don't think they, they helped him out in that scenario as, be, as well as they could. If he had a better team, they would have done that spin that you said exactly. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, but but I also think that what you know, he, he crushed that. Stock went up. Most of the praise was, man, Zuckerberg knows what he's doing. Facebook knows what they're doing. The Senate is a bunch of idiots. PR wise, that was a that was a huge win <laughs> for technology, for social media, for yeah. Facebook. But I but I agree with you on the on the backside, right? Mm -hmm. The way to spin it, the way to run it. Most of that praise and support is is coming from the public. Yes. When, when, yeah, Facebook could have done something with it. And I, and I do think they dropped the ball. Dropped the ball big time. Absolutely. So as, as, we're, as we're cruising through, um, you've, got, you've got Stark now on one, he's, he's, he's pushing forward. He's got, he's got his, new, his new zeal for life, if you will, with a rebuilt... I don't know. It's it's an accelerator of some kind. I forget what he calls it, but it's a, that's a, that's a, that's in his chest, right? Right, right. Yep. His, his wonderful assistant Pepper, who does everything for him and is sticks her hand in his chest and, and 
pulls it out and gives him another another lease on life, if you will. It's interesting to watch him now as an entrepreneur subtly pitch his idea and say, you need, I need to talk with you about X, Y, and Z. We're going to have some fun here. And everyone tells him, go home and rest. You're not, you say you don't want to build weapons anymore. Go home and rest. And he's like, no, I've got something better. And they're like, no, you don't. You just spent 90 days in a cave. You don't have something better. Go home and rest. And he won't. And I think it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, we live in a culture, especially here in Austin. And I used to live in the Bay Area and I lived in near Silicon Beach as well. I've worked in Denver and New York. Entrepreneurs have an option, right? To go home and rest or keep pushing forward. And if there's one thing, if you, I mean, they should almost play this at Capital Factory or any incubator that says, hey, keep working. Someone's going to tell you it's a silly idea. Go home and rest. Go get a real job. Go do this. Drive, you know, you have an option here. You have something unique. Keep working at it. Put that in the trash. Rebuild it. Yep. Rebuild it. Look at me. He's taking the old one apart right now. Now, I wonder, because you're in a lot more tech than I am, uh, two things are going to come up here. One, they're going to find the old suit, and they're going to try to rebuild or, or do something with this old suit. Basically, copy old tech, which is, I love this thing where share your ideas, right? Go out and share your ideas. If I could do a television show, I would do one where you have 10 entrepreneurs and you all give them the same idea and you see which way they go. Because the reality is that you're going to get 10 different products at the end of that show because of the way people's minds work. Maybe you get eight different ones, but you share your ideas. No one, listen, the person who steals your idea is stealing an old replica. They're stealing the original Iron Man suit and they're trying to rebuild it. And you, your mind's already ditched that. Your mind's already put part of that in the trash and you can move forward. Don't be afraid to go and, and talk to you or, or, or talk to um, any other ambassador in, the, in, in your community, in the entrepreneurial world, where you can sit down, get good solid advice about moving forward, answer the challenging questions of where, what, how do you define success and where you want to be and what do you want to do? And that's what he's doing. So, so I spent a dozen years in Silicon Valley too. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I've been in Austin for about 10. And, and the, biggest, the biggest difference is, that I experienced was a difference that most people don't see. And it touches on your point. Biggest difference is that when I moved to Austin, everybody started asking me to sign NDAs. Everybody started talking about their patents and their IP. I mean, imagine if Tony Stark went out and patented this and then, and then you know, took out yeah. the patent and said, hey, I got this patent. Will somebody give me money for it? Yep. He'd, he'd get laughed at, right? That, yeah. that in the Valley, nobody ever kept ideas uh, so close to their, you know, to their, their core that nobody knew about them because yeah, you've got to get out there and talk about it. You've got to get out there and talk about what you're doing. And, and what, and the reason I think that's so important in, in, in this film is another, another part of that entrepreneur journey that if you think about it, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and, and his AI is there now, right? His AI, yeah. then his, uh, Jarvis is there, Jarvis. which is just Siri's older brother. You brought up, you brought up pepper and you brought up, uh, yeah, who, who plays War Machine? What was, what's his name? See, we don't have the sound on. Uh, yes. I know we don't. Right, we, the, yeah. the the military guy who they replaced, which I think is awesome. Uh, just to understand why they did yep. that. What what he was actually doing was he was building his team for this new business, and yep. that's why you talk about what you're doing. He, he talks about it with Pepper. And who's Pepper? Pepper's his co-founder, frankly. Right? Yes. His assistant? Bullshit. No, no, no. She does everything. <laughs> So that I mean, so that don't we all go, need a pepper? So that he can go do stuff, right? That's that's his head of operations. 
That's his president. That's his COO, right? COO, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and without her, he's he's done, right? But yep. but then you've also got the war machine. And here's a twist that I love: the war machine character. I think that's actually his head of marketing. I think that's his CMO because yes, he's the showman. He's the guy doing the PR. He's the guy telling the story. But that's really just promotion, right? Okay. And that's what a CEO is supposed to do. A CEO is supposed to be out there and be Elon Musk and make everybody excited about this shit. Mm-hmm. What, what you've got in the War Machine character, though, is somebody who's given him a path to make it work. Okay. We, we could go with the military. Yeah. Or, you know what? You've just been held up in a cave. You're not focusing on weapons anymore. I don't know what you're going to do, but this this business is not going to work anymore unless you take a break. Right? He's he's giving him market feedback. Okay. Right? To, to say, all right, if it's not going to work with the military anymore, then I'm going to go figure something else out. And that's what he does, right? He takes that market feedback that the military is not the right direction, goes back and he builds something, and it emerges. And what I love about that thought being War Machine is the marketing guy, the military guy, is what is it? What happens in this film? Spoiler again, right? Yeah. Iron Man comes out. <laughs> Iron Man comes out, and then what does the military do? He says, damn. Wow. <laughs> we need something like that, too. And so, and so the market, the marketing guy then says, great, let's go that direction, too. And we create a new product. We bring a new product to market. Now, do you think it's weird that so his his COO for Stark Industries, technical, right, right, te- te- yeah, technically, CEO, technically CEO. COO for Stark Industries, he doesn't share that. He has an inherent idea. He doesn't share what's going on in his basement with him, right? I, I mean, it's a beautiful. It's it's a thing of 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 where do you? And this really, I mean, when he takes a slice of pizza and goes downstairs and says, "No, you can't see what I'm working on." That idea of understanding who to trust and who to share with. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not saying that you go talk to every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there and tell them your idea. Have faith and trust in what you're doing and have d- discretion in who you're talking to because it's not that someone's gonna steal your idea again, but it is the, the concept that you want the best possible feedback. You want the feedback that's gonna move you forward, not put you back in the place where you were. Whereas if you shared it with his, the COO of Stark Industries, more than likely he's going to be like, this is a great weapon, let's do it. Whereas everyone else is... Well, or, or, or more, more than likely he's going to do his job. Yeah. Like forget, forget the storyline, right? You think yeah. about how a company works. Your COO's job is to run a company. Yep. Right? And so he's going to look at you and go, yeah, that's insane. Sure, here's a million bucks. Go, go play in the skunk works and figure that out. But no, we, Stark Industries, we're not going to do that right now because yeah. it, it's, it's stupid. Um, and or your I think that'd be fair. I think that would be fair of, of the COO to do. And therefore, yeah, the CEO, the, the innovator, the founder, whatever, is going to go, great. I'm just not even going to bother telling you that. I'm going to go do it first. Mm-hmm. And then and then I'll tell you about it if we should. <laughs> right? so, so now you bring that up. And this and this um, and as he's flying around and trying to figure out how to fly, let's let's delve into this conversation because I, I opened up with it. And you're like, we're going to have a conversation about this. It's a great time to do it as he's honing in. Batman versus Iron Man. <laughs> you have two billionaires, right? They're figuring out their way, but they both, as CEOs of companies, hide what they're doing in some capacity. Now, spoiler alert again, at the end, he comes out and he goes, I'm Iron Man, which I think is just so ballsy and awesome. But Batman never does, right? I mean, Batman covers up his eyes and, and goes out and does his thing. So in this world where he's now going to test the suit and do this and you guys can watch at home but let's have this geeked out superhero-esque moment if you will 
two billionaires creating two personas. I mean, who you got? So I, I, <laughs> who you got? I, I, I'm such a superhero geek. I, 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 I have a Cub Scout meeting next week, and I'm showing up as Clark Kent. I'm, Come on. I am hard, hardcore. No, I mean hardcore because I love them all. Yeah. But, but, but here's what I think is the fun way to think about the answer to that question. It's actually the DC versus Marvel debate. Okay. And, yeah. and it's that DC characters are maybe. Right, their, their faults is they tend to be overpowered. They tend to be unrealistic, right? They're unattainable. The the superhero, the Superman, the the Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. uh, even the Batman, right? Can, is Batman really that realistic? No, um, but but they all have a heart and a passion and a backstory and a narrative that that is is much much more in depth. Okay. On the on the DC set, right? We all know the Batman story. Yeah. Um, Bruce Wayne, parents kill. Right. We all know that story. The, on the Marvel side, it's it's more like um, easily consumable superhero. Okay. Right. Wolverine. Do we not really know who Wolverine is? No. We know he's invincible and he's got claws and he and he gets angry. Yeah. Right? And he, we, he got tested on, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 it truly is the case with with Stark. Right. There's a there is a backstory there. Sure, he's wealthy and and he ended up in a position where he had to build something, but. There's really no backstory there. Truly, yep. it's it's a puff piece, right? You can you can chime in real quick. You got it. He's a guy in an armor, mm -hmm. uh, and he and he saves people's lives, and he, and he probably cares about it for some reason, right? We don't really have the same emotion for it. It's consumable. I have a, I have a random thought on this, and you, this just popped into my head, and everything tells me eh, you never say something that just pops into your head. But this is a podcast. I don't care. It seems like in the Marvel world, they followed the story of. Jesus Christ for their superheroes where they're born. We don't know anything that happens for the first 30 years. <laughs> and then they've got their ministry. <laughs> and, then, and then they're either around or they're gone, but you, you've got a window into their lives that starts at a mature level versus a Batman. That is really interesting. Phoenix, <laughs> professor X. Yeah, you're right. They, right. You kind of know what they were in the, in the beginning. Kind of. And then suddenly they're grown up superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> We got that is fascinating. All right, and then DC, DC is what though? What's your name? I mean, I, I think DC, and the reason why people probably assimilate to it more, is because you're living a journey. Now you're not Batman, you're not Wonder Woman, you're not Superman, but you're living a journey. So you get to see that journey go. You you see where they struggle at an age, and you see where you might struggle yep, at an age. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the popularity of, uh, of going and, and understanding a, a Batman, um, if, if you lost, let's say you lost your parents tragically, heaven forbid, right? But if you now have the opportunity to watch a comic book and look to something to grow. Sorry, sorry that's I know. one of my... God bless. One of my favorite shots. Welcome back. I know, welcome back. We'll put the fire. This is one of the best things is that the comic relief in this movie, you know, and people are like, well, finish your thought. I'm like, sorry, I've already forgotten it. Yeah. Because, one, he, the heaviness of the suit, he crashes through his whole home, and he's got his AI there, and they're like, he might be on fire. You know, the which, second time. Which, 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 by the way, is a great point, though, that the AI, and I do remember your, your previous, uh, I want to get back to it, <laughs> okay. right? Two, two things are happening here, right? That that It's a reminder that, the, that Jarvis is a part of that team, too. Yeah. Right? This is not just Tony Stark 
being Iron Man is not just a founder building a company. There's there there are a collection of people there that make it work, or AI that makes it work. And then right there too, that that touching uh, reminder from his co-founder, if you will, from his partner that yep. this can work. We can get there. Keep keep at it. Keep I at it. That. And you know what? This is this was version one, and we say I saved it for you. You said throw it away, and I have the heart to save it for you. Yep. You know, and as as the people try to rebuild the, the 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 terrorists try to rebuild the old Iron Man, it is amazing then to watch him use his technology, his ingenuity, his insights to make his new Iron Man better. And one of my favorite parts in all of this, when he's looking at Iron Man, is he looks over at his hot rod that at the very beginning he was rebuilding, and he tells Jarvis, he goes and throw on some fire red, yeah. right? Which the, was nostalgic. The nostalgic too, if you think about this suit and you think about his cars and all of his cars are, are cars that you drive. The R8 is still a car that you drive. That is low to the ground, you feel it move. The Cobra, which he crushed, a million dollar car is a car that you drive. All these things that you drive and do is also the suit that he drives and does, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Jarvis helps him, but he does it. Jarvis says, you can't do this. He says, no, I can push the limits. Right, right. And it's it's one of those crazy, amazing things where it touches back to as much technology as you want to have. Hey, Porsche, you still should offer me a six speed, not just paddle shifters. You know, it's and, and that and, and, and that point is why I have such passion for the Marvel films as the DC films. That yeah. the, the Marvel films actually give us a glimpse of what's conceivably possible. Yeah. You can't be Batman. You can't be Superman. You can't be... It's just its just not possible. You can't be Wonder Woman. Uh, but you... Theoretically, you could be Iron Man. Theoretically, you could could accomplish what it takes to be uh, a Wolverine even, right? Mm-hmm. Embed titanium into your bones. We got biotech. And, and we're solving I mean, for this idea of mortality in some strange way, right? Yeah. It's almost its almost more attainable. We, we can't be the guy from Krypton. But... But those characters we, we can relate to. I can yeah. relate to being the kid falling in a well and, right, and being terrified of bats. And, then, and, right? and so that's the difference. And that's actually why I like Batman better than Iron Man. Because Batman, to me, I have passion for. I have no passion for Tony Stark other than the fact that I kind of look like him. <laughs> and I love technology, and I damn straight when when my company gets funded, I'm buying an Iron Man suit. <laughs> yeah, I can. I I love that, right? But that's because I can drop in and I can feel. I can feel it. I get it. I can, yeah, I, I can kind of very quickly appreciate. He's got, a, he's got that. attainable toys. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd rather be Batman, but I'm comfortable with the idea that it ain't gonna ever ever gonna happen. I can understand that. I mean, you know, whether you take the Christian Bale side or you take the Gotham side of things, oh, right? God. Where He's growing up as a kid. I think the other thing that you see with Marvel that, uh, you know, or, or DC that you don't see with Marvel is, and you see him getting his ass kicked. All right, so Batman got his ass handed to him. He's still just human, right? He's still just. And yet, come on, man. Superman couldn't have just ripped them apart. <laughs> right? He's taking his arm off and beating him with it. <laughs> right? So it's not attainable, is my point. But, yeah. but you can relate to it. All right, but let's touch on that. Is. is has there been a Batman that's actually any good? Uh, I mean, know, truly, because what's neat about the Marvel films, right, is this guy's Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. 
what's his face is Wolverine. I mean, they they <laughs> they are they 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 do such a good job of finding the right characters. The now I would grant you again. I think Reeve was the perfect Superman, and and I forget her name, but but the woman playing Wonder Woman right now is the perfect Wonder Woman. She is the perfect but, but Wonder Woman. They can never seem to nail Batman. I don't I don't think See, I don't, have, I don't have, I, I'll tell you what I don't think. I will say they can't seem to nail Spider-Man. They which, can't. Which almost, which almost works, right? Because it's always just a but then, but, kid. And I... But it's like Groundhog Day. Like every six years, I yeah, see the yeah, same yeah, yeah. fucking movie. He's going to get bit by the spider? Don't ruin it for me. What happens? He's bit by the fucking spider. Oh my gosh, look. Da, 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 da. It's the same. I mean, they yeah. keep... Re, they, Toby Toby was close. I I do think he was close. He was close. And and, and they did it, and and there's evidence of that because they did it a few times. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Okay. Because I love – Michael Keaton has this beautiful way of being a little bit standoffish while at the same time still being endearing. Like it's the guy that stands in the corner of the room that you know is successful and you want to go talk to him. And even if he blows you off – you're still going to go talk to him again the next time you see yeah, him. Yeah. Because he, he had a charisma to him. He had a thing. I don't think Christian Bale had that, but I think Christian Bale played a darkness that Michael Keaton really only played in the movie where he was an alcoholic, killed someone, and had to go into rehab. Well, um, you know, uh, I don't think that Ben Affleck in any way can hold either one of those men's socks. I, uh, I agree, but here that's, that's actually why I asked the question. I love Affleck as the elder... Wayne. Who's the elder Wayne? I mean, I really think he fits in that side of things, given what Justice League is going through right now. I think think the challenge is that the way that they're developing the Batman appearance Mm -hmm. for Affleck is awful. It's It's a little little too armored and and big. It just doesn't doesn't work. Uh, Bale was perfect, yes, as the darker side of Batman and the pain that Wayne goes through. But frankly, I didn't think he was a good Wayne in general. Yeah, I didn't um, think he was a good right, Wayne. You got, you got, you got two, and, and and frankly, that's why I keep bringing up Superman and Reeve, right? He, yeah. There, there's a scene in the original Superman where, where, um, and there are articles about it, but but I, I, I love it where, where Reeve, you know, he's he's Clark Kent and he's there with Lois Lane on the balcony and he's Clark Kent and he's he's about to tell. Lois, he feels like he should because he's realizing he loves her, right? And he's, yeah. And, and what, he, what does he do? He takes off his glasses. But if you watch the scene, he takes off his glasses and he stands up straight, right? He stands and you can see how his entire body and personality changes from one to the other. That's why it was brilliant. And that's why I love the question of uh, Batman because yeah. Wayne and Batman are two different characters. Yep. And, and what we lose in Iron Man is that is that Downey Jr., Stark, and, and Iron Man, they're actually all the same character. <laughs> they really are. But see, you That's kind of lose point. some of that, 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 that intrigue. But you also, but you gain it with Stark, the reason why he's arrogant. So, I mean, it's like, listen, if you can build Iron Man, and you can be Iron Man, and you can do all these things, that unlike DC, he's adopted that, no, I am Iron Man. He's adopted it, and he's taken it on as his own. Um, I wonder, and I, and I think, and I go, eh. it's a unique, it's a unique perspective. Whereas we've always been told the superhero is hiding behind a veil, hiding behind a mask, going out and doing things in secret that law can't do, the military can't do. And instead, he said, no, I'm actually going to be this, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to be it and what it means. 
And I, I think there's there's a there's a there's a unique vulnerability in I'm not only the richest guy in the world, let's say, I don't know how rich he really is. They don't really give a dollar figure on it, but I not only create great weapons, I not only do all this, by the way, I'm also Iron Man, and now you know everything about me, and you can come after my family, you can come after Pepper, you can do all these things, but I'm so good that I can tell you this in confidence that that'll never happen. I love it. I love it in the sense of where we started the <laughs> conversation about who Robert Downey Jr. actually is. Yep. Right? The, the original past that he has as being successful, being on top of the world, that that crashing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I bring that up because I love the Iron Man story in the sense of where these films go next. Yeah. That that what happens, of course, is the Avengers and and and, and Stark and, and Iron Man, they're the reluctant. He's the reluctant, like, yeah, you guys are all... Isn't it weird that he's reluctant in the fact that he's also in the public eye as Stark and as Iron Man? Yeah, but, but it, what, I think I love it because, right, he goes from being the CEO of our company, mm -hmm. right? He goes from being the CEO to being the CTO, right, <laughs> of the Avengers. That's and he's true. like, well, shit, I don't need you guys, right? And, and you're from Asgard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need you guys. I'm out doing my thing. And I'm good, and I, and I think it's an important conversation for society and the economy because you got this brilliant CTO who's built mm -hmm. this thing. He's he's loaded. Yeah. But you know what he realizes? He, he he then realizes too. Nope. I need a team to actually build something more substantial than what I've got here in order to save the world, to save the economy. If you're a company, right? That that even Iron Man can't do it alone. Even if you are Tony Stark. Do you think, uh, let, let's take your economy thing here, and we're going to geek out here a little bit on economy people, so if you want to, um, just grab yourself another cocktail. But uh, in that, I wonder at what point, so we, we've recently seen this, right? So Jeff Bezos and the head of Best Buy come together and like, you're going to sell my Amazon TVs, and Best Buy is like anything to get people in the door, because they're dying on the vine. And I wonder at what point in this world, in our Justice League of new billionaires and old billionaires, new money, old money, tech and non-tech, do we get together and go, you know what? Is there an economy of a Justice League? Is there an economy of something where it's not, how do I make my stock go up, but how do I sell? How do I advance people and this economy to make it better for everyone? I mean, there's a weird, I, two things brought this to my attention. One, I was sitting down, I'm talking to this guy, and he goes, you know, if uh, the, the, the number to solve hunger in the world is like $4 billion, whatever. If we had $4 billion a year, we could everyone would eat. It's like, oh, that's very interesting. And he goes, yeah, and you know where that money could come from? If no one ate fast food for a year in America, that'd be $4 billion. And I go, that's a cute stat, but if no one ate food in America, fast food in America for a year, think of all the jobs that are lost. Think of the, the money that's, the tax revenue that's not coming in. Think of this, and someone else said, you know, uh, this many number of people are on food stamps that, that work in Amazon factories, and, and not in the fact, but you know, where they package it, the big Shipping. packages, yep, yep. you know, and, and, and if Jeff Bezos, who's the richest guy in the world, just gave up a billion dollars a year, he would fix that problem. And I, I challenged him, I go, is that his problem to fix, A? And B, why are we looking at robbing Peter to save Paul versus grabbing these great minds and going, how can we do them all together? Did you read my debates <laughs> on 
online in the past couple of days. So I, I uh, you you know I did. That's why I'm bringing this up. How dare you? I do actually spend some time doing some research, not just yeah, watching yeah. movies. How dare you, sir? All right, all right. So let's bring up one one point Please. just for context, right? Yes. I, I'm a huge fan of the fact that Amazon should put HQ2 in in Austin, and and that is a very hotly contested debate because a lot of Austin says not on your life and then i'm probably the extremist absolutely because though of two things yes the idea of the justice league right we have to hold zuckerberg and gates and uh and dell locally and and we have to we can we should hold these people accountable for making a difference Mm -hmm. and i and i think the mistake we make is we hold them accountable as individuals right we look at zuckerberg and say this is your fault yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> He's running a company. Uh, they're very transparent about how the company works. We gave him the money. Well, businesses, right? Gave him yeah. the money to, to make Facebook. We, get, we, the gave, him the, we gave him the numbers right. so that he could get the money from the companies. And, and so should, should we expect that he give a billion dollars and change everything or give $4 billion and change everything? No, we absolutely should not. That's, that's unethical. It's immoral. It's inappropriate. Shame on us for expecting others to fix things for us. Yeah. However, however, could we look to them collectively and say, look, I got it. You're building what Microsoft is doing. You're building what Google is doing. You're building what Facebook is doing. You're building what Uber is doing, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of ethical questions going on in that kind of company. But you, you folks are all changing the world. We're going to hold you all to a higher standard. Yeah. I absolutely think that's okay. But in order to do that, we can't be critical of it. We can't just say, shame on you. You should do better. We've got to show them how. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's my point about Amazon, that Austin's culture, right? E-commerce, music, food, Whole Foods is based here. Austin's culture, what's characteristically Austin, as far as I'm concerned, is actually very defined in what Amazon is. Uh, we're at the epicenter of the world's largest economy in the country uh, with Dallas and Houston and the shipping center in Houston. And yep. um, where else would, would a company like that set? To deal with shipping and streaming video and streaming music mm-hmm. and Google and Fiber food and commerce, right? Amazon should absolutely be here. And and what bothers me is we got a lot of folks who say, "Not in your life," because it's going to change Austin. It's going to screw up Austin. See, and yeah. I think they're looking at it as an individual, right? Yep. They're looking at it as one saying it is their fault, or they have to fix it. And I want people to look at it more like a justice league. Let's get Amazon here because then we can hold them accountable. We can say, "Hey, you're part of the hottest." startup economy in the world right now mm-hmm. because you've moved here and you just made a, a PR statement by way of two years of deciding where you're going to put HQ2, right? You're all over the freaking media as everybody tries to figure out where you're going to go. We're not going to let you be here in Austin without you having a voice, without you taking a stand, without you making a difference in people's lives, without you stepping up in politics, without you getting involved at least at the city level, without, with, if not the state level. But we're not going to expect you to do it alone. Yeah. We're going to do it together. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a weird concept though, right? I mean, that's a weird concept when, and, and what you've put out there is that, no, no, I know you're successful in X, Y, and Z. I know you've done this. I know you've built a great company. And now you're out there taking on the world. and. And you're, you're, all of a sudden, there's someone taking on Walmart. There's someone taking on Target. But in what's impacting us that goes past a sale price, that goes past something being delivered to my door, that what's impacting us socially and economically on a different level, we want to be a part of this, right? We want to share in how this changes lives and how this impacts people. 
versus what I think is the laziness of what people are doing, which I think is what you're getting to. And I'll just call them that. It's lazy. When you tell a billionaire, you should give your money away because you have too much and you should help people. It's like, no, maybe we should learn from what they've done and then apply that knowledge and that insight into what you want to do and then leverage them to make change. Yep. And, and that's exactly why I love where this storyline goes, right? Yeah. That, that everybody looks to billionaire Tony Stark Iron Man mm -hmm. to, to be Jeff Bezos. Right? Yeah. Great. Save us all. Yeah. And, and, and he's comfortable in saying, hang on. Hang on. I can't do everything. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and by the way, he does this one thing. And I, I just want to give a shout out to one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, he pulls the brakes and does a Top Gun. Right? <laughs> he does the extreme move. Yep. The, the, the Tom yep. Cruise. Where'd he go? Where, where did he go? Hollywood. <laughs> you know, it's just he pulls the extreme move. His buddy thinks it's him. He doesn't know, right? He doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's getting the call from the Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he he pulls the brakes and he goes, I'm gonna watch him fly by. And it's an amazing, I mean, like. I, you, the, the scary thing is, and I'll bring this back to Bezos or Walton or any or Bill Gates or anyone else, if they ever decide to pull the brakes and just stop and let everybody fly by, we're in a worse predicament than we are if we engage them and try to keep up. Ooh, fun, fun point, because hang on, they have, right? Uh, Google's founders pulled the brakes on trying to compete with, with Facebook. Um, I, I, think, I, think, yeah. I think your point is that, um, that that that's what changes society. Right? That's what changes the story is when yeah. when someone in that position, not when they not when they write a billion dollar check to change things, but when they go, whoa, hang on a second. Yep. There is a better way to do this. And and maybe it's somebody else getting involved. Maybe it's a different yeah. company getting involved. Maybe I need to have a different approach, as is the case with with uh, Iron Man here, right? And and that's why I love how it it, it the storyline evolves into what the economy I'd rather we all do, which is we try to figure out how to work together. We, we get comfortable with pulling the brakes and me saying, you know what? I'm not the best person to build this piece of, of the business or the industry or the economy that we're working on. They are. Those people over there are. So I'm going to let them do it. Or I've just put out this product or, or this service or, or I've made this investment. And you know what? Whoops. That was stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay being honest about it. I'm yeah. okay being transparent about it. We screwed up hey, because, hey, everybody, learn from that. I, I took the risk. We screwed up. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pull the brakes and we're going to go a different direction. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's fascinating when you look at how many times you can look at all. I, I, I use Budweiser as an example of a company that's failed more than they've succeeded. Right. So Budweiser made Bud Light. Bud Light changed the game of, of light beers. The Miller Light comes out. Coors Light comes out. That is arguably their only successful product. Where's Bud Ice? Where's Red Dog? Where, in my, in my where, fridge at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, you know, whereas, where are these all these other beers that they put out every other year? Where's where's the Limerita, the Bud Limerita that was all the rage by yeah. pools? You know, they. Yeah, Do you ever have Zima? Is uh, that a Bud product? See, Zima that? is huge. I mean, like I'm big Still? in Asia. It's huge. <laughs> it's, it's so that it's uh, they tried to bring it back for a hot minute. Um, when Retro was in last year, they brought Zima back for a summer and it sold out. But no one wanted to keep it around. It just kind of sold out, if you no, will. You just want to put it on your shelf and yeah, say, and be like, hey, remember, like that, remember that era that? when we all loved it? And 
and you know the worst yeah and then there are the the long the long-standing nostalgic people that were where things happen you've got the paps blue ribbons that come back and and the old milwaukee and, and rainier and and you get the nostalgia of I remember the smell of that beer in that fried chicken joint. Well, my dad played Keno and did this, so I'm going to drink this now and have some fun. It's, it's a weird thing to watch, one, big companies try new things and fail, but always assume that they're successful. And it's another amazing thing to watch old companies that have been hanging on and then ride a wave of success as people get nostalgic. <laughs> And yeah, I wonder yeah. where in this environment, in the entrepreneur, the new tech environment, we see it sometimes, but where can you bridge both? Like, how do you, and I believe for long-term success in some capacity, you have to bridge both, right? Like, I believe in the success of this podcast because I believe in bridging both. I believe in having a, a fun conversation about entrepreneurs and what it does that, that, that lightly touches on a great movie. An argument, I mean, a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Iron Man. Uh, people love the movie. I believe in whether it's in the 80s, 90s, or 2000s of, of a, a 30, almost 30 or 40 year gap of looking at things and saying, all right, we can, we can have some fun and touch on our lives and, and, ma and make this work. At the same time, I also believe that successful companies do that. I mean, Facebook does it a little bit. I got a notice today, three years ago, you took this picture. It's my daughter. I'm like, oh man, that's a great memory. Do you want to share it? Yeah, you do want to share it. And I'm like, I <laughs> no, kind of do. I mean, there's a part of me that goes, they grow up too fast, and everybody yeah. goes, oh my gosh, Jason. But you know, there's the parent with a 16 year old that chimes in, and I get it. Long days, short years. I completely understand it. But I wonder, in new business, do people think that way? It, it that that entire uh, set of perspectives drives me back to that that point about knowing what outcome you want. And, and, I, and, and we haven't talked about this company in particular, except for the fact that I just brought it up. Yeah. Um, Google. Google's mission statement from day one was to index the world's information and make it available to everybody, period. Period, end of discussion. No idea how to do that. No idea how to make money, <laughs> right? Didn't matter. That's what they set out to do. And that's your, that's your Budweiser, right? We're, we're gonna make a, a beer that everybody loves and it's just gonna be there. And, yeah. and we're gonna, you, you, you will always enjoy it. Um, that's, that's uh, to some extent, that, that might be why Facebook is pervasive, right? We are going to connect everybody, mm -hmm. period. Uh, might be why Amazon's so pervasive. We're just going to fix commerce. We're going to change the way people shop. Boy, and also how they changed, right? Because remember, it was books back in the day. Well, sure. Like, right? there's not a library that can hold all the books we have. Right. And, and it was just books. And, and you could argue, now maybe it's in hindsight, you could argue that really that was just their MVP, that was their first product, that was their attempt. Mm -hmm. Granted, I know Amazon set out to just do books. Yeah. But, but my point is, if you look at it in hindsight, what made it successful is this idea that they, they really just do one thing. They really just work in commerce. Google really just works in data and making it available. Yep. Uh, Facebook really just works in connecting everything. Truly, Truly. And, and that's your Budweiser, right? We're just always gonna do that. And, and the only way that any of these companies remain relevant and successful and competitive and so forth is to take those risks, right? Yeah. It is to, yeah, throw up a, an awful beer that isn't gonna work and just see if maybe there is a market, right? Or, or to try Google Plus or to, to put ads on Facebook and see what happens, right? If, if we don't do that and support it, mm -hmm. and that's the key, support it, 
then then we're never going to find the right answers. Yeah. If all we're doing is constantly tearing down the stuff that isn't working right or doesn't work right, our our society is going to go backwards because <laughs> we oh, got to find we got to find solutions. And and so I love what I love about what we're doing here in your show is that you you do have that you have that north star, right? Why not converge audio and podcasting and interviews with media and entertainment and film and 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 give us some context, some stuff to refer to and some stuff that we love. Big picture. Right? You got your North Star. That's where you're going. And then you, you experiment. You put shitty people like me on, on the air to see if, <laughs> hey, will this work if somebody like Paul talks? <laughs> or, 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 or should we do it with a live audience? Or, or should we do it at Alamo Draft House? Right? Yeah. And maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Doesn't matter. We're still going in the same direction, which is working. Which is working. Exactly. Which is working. And it's funny. So, you know, I was thinking about this and, and this conversation and the way it's evolved and, and what's happened. As you can see, I got goosebumps here. Uh, because of a, of a couple of things. One, so there was um, about three weeks ago when we were going to kick this thing off, and I was like, you know, if we're going to kick this off and do it, Moon Tower is coming up. I'm going to reach out to some comics. And I reached out to one, and, and they're like, yep, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Famous guy uh, has a show on NBC, way out of our league. If if you believe in in that sort of thing, uh, I don't. I believe in asking anyone anything anytime. And his people say yes. And I'm about to pop the champagne. I'm like, this is amazing. He's going to come on. You know, he's got all these followers. This is going to be so much fun for us. And then an hour later, as people come back and they're like, no, he's busy now. And two hours of his time is not enough. It was too much. He's just busy. And plus he wants to rest. And I get it. And there's, a, there's an ego side of me that goes, man, you know what? That really pisses me off. Yeah. And there's an honest side of me that goes, Jason, uh, let's be really honest here. You know, let's get better. Or let's have a bigger footprint. Or you know what? People are going to say no to you. That's okay. Right. Right. But then I get the opportunity. I ping Elijah. I reach out to you. And I'm like, you know what? Paul, can you do this on short notice? And you're like, yes. And then this turns out in my mind as a better conversation, as a deeper conversation, especially for Austin. I mean, there's a couple million people that live here. But for Austin and the entrepreneurs and the people that we actually rub shoulders with on a day-to-day basis, all the fun things that we get to do, it's this becomes a better, more impactful conversation. And then you look at things and it looks like a short-term failure. You missed a guest. You didn't get this. Damn it. What am I going to do to wait? You know, I don't believe in things happen for a reason all the time. I believe you make the best of a situation when, when you get thrown a curveball. And in the world of getting thrown a curveball, we're dissecting a movie and having fun with it. And also hopefully giving any entrepreneur that listens to this, the insight and the value of, hey man, keep going. And, and, and I think what, what really matters in what you just said is the fact though that you're gonna get thrown curveballs. Yeah. Everybody. And, and that's why the idea of of, of where you're actually trying to get is what matters, right? Yep. Yeah, sure. Thank you. That was that was awesome of you to say about me. I'm completely comfortable with the fact that this may be your worst show ever. <laughs> no, and I, it may I, be, because uh, I'm cool with that. I, we're out here trying to make a difference. Yeah. I'm going to talk. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to build some things. I'm going to, I'm and, and you know what? If people don't like it, if some people don't like it, I'm okay with that, because what am I going to do? I'm going to take it. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to try something different. Right? Yeah, because I have a North Star, you have a North Star. We've got directions we're trying to get with what we're doing, and frankly, because of the fact that I knew what you were trying to do and where you're trying to get, yeah, I said, yeah, hell yeah, man, I'll jump on the show. Let's do this. It'll be fun. Um, whether or not, though, and that's the key, right? Whether or not we get a curveball out of this, 
where people say, Jason, that was cool, but you guys went way too deep on the economy. That's not good <laughs> I just want to watch the movie and hear jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's the right direction. As long as as long as you stay true to but we don't know what we're we trying know. to do. Exactly. Right. Right. And and I we may get some feedback. I had one person they so I have one neighbor friend who listens to all of them and he's gonna chime in. Uh, there are some lights and dirty bills here that this one wonderful woman named Tiffany put up. She's very nice. And one of them has kind of been dinging in the background a little bit. I don't know how to turn it off. It lasts for about 10, 12 minutes. It's going to happen. He's like, it's been 15, Jason. Fine, whatever. You're going to hear it. We don't have a studio. We work out of a bar because we get an open bar. We get free cocktails. Speaking, so Speaking of. Speaking of. Do you, can you grab us a beer? Let, and me, yourself? Let, me, let me grab. You grab. I'm going to talk real quick. Sure. So, so in that, but he goes, hey, you need to, you need to ask your guests some questions. You need to, and, and not questions so you can tell a story, but questions so that, you know, we can tell a story. And by the way, Paul's not only grabbing us drinks, he's also gonna use the restroom. I have been training myself in bladder control for so long uh, that I will I will last probably not like this podcast, but we're following up with another podcast right after this with uh, Jason Dick and Ophira Eisenberg. Uh, spoiler alert, so check it out. It's gonna be fun. That'll go the week after this podcast. So we're gonna have some fun. But that said, you know, in, in all of this, one, I listen to the feedback. You know, uh, my buddy Trey, he chimes in, he lets us know. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a gentleman on, online who, who, who chimed in, gave us a five-star review and said, hey, you should change a couple of things and, and maybe do this. And we're working on it. I'm sitting down with some soundboard experts next week and you're like, next week's probably too far away, but that's when I'm doing it, to learn more about the soundboard. Uh, this is all an educational process in everything that we're doing. And we're only going to grow from here. You know, I like the Letterman aspect idea of the fact that we're never perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to keep marching forward. And hopefully in that and with all of your feedback and all of your reviews, you know, does it help me if you give me five stars and you tell me that you don't like my voice or it's too high pitched or it's too low or, you know, I heard you breathing too heavy or I heard you burp this one time. That's fine. I love the five star review and then any shitty comments you want to give me. Uh, but that said, in, in, in all of this, we are trying to get better. I know that the last episode, I think I said famously like 25 times. I'm getting better. We're going to get better. We're going to evolve this process. He's back. Don't, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Uh, you want to grab us a, one did more you, beverage? Yeah. Did you just tell everybody that I went to the bathroom? Of course I did. Yeah. I have a bladder. Did you ever have that lovely Leslie <laughs> Nielsen moment where you fear that you brought the microphone in with you? And oh, I remember that on Sally Jesse Raphael. Like it was, <laughs> I remember it was the TV and the, the, the girl walks back and all of a sudden you hear the toilet flush and everyone's like, oh, uh, whatever. Uh, what, Budweiser, right? Is that what we were Budweiser. talking about? Budweiser. Um, just, uh, you know what? I think a, um, a Hop Haze, which is on the same same side of the, of the next to the IPA bottle, second row down. Uh, it's on the same side as your... I think yeah, and then um, and then you can grab yourself one if you want to. Yeah, please. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, please. Yes, please do. He's gonna pour himself a little whiskey. There's also whiskey in the well there if you don't if you whatever you want to find though. Just grab it and let me know what flavor. Well, you, Jameson. Top shelf, but... Well, you can grab whatever you want. So one of the things though, that I'm gonna jump back to the movie here while he's pouring himself a, a cocktail is um, now we're at that moment where Stark. This is where everything comes to. This is where. You go back to your roots, if you will. And, and I know Paul's going to come over and he's going to chime in on this, but you go back to your roots. His second generation essential heart gets taken away. And in that heart getting taken away by his bad guy, now we have, he has to go back to the original heart that he created and make it work. 
And at some point, your second generation tech is going to fail. Like when I brought up Amazon, the thing that I was thinking is that when they did books, when they delivered books better and faster than anyone else, one of the cool things about doing that is that they laid the groundwork for delivering everything else better than anyone else. Yep. And you have to lean back on your roots. So whether you know use the analogy of a tree or whether you use the analogy of friends in industry that you can lean back on, whatever it is, and correct me if you think I'm a little off base here, but if you don't have a root system, if you're an entrepreneur and you're locked down and you're making people sign NDAs and you're sitting in a room by yourself like a crazy mad scientist and you're typing away and when it's all done and perfect, I'm gonna upload this and it's gonna change the world versus, let's say this, where I don't exactly know how to work the soundboard yet, where we're learning as we go, where things are changing, where, yeah, we've got some background noise, but it's a cool environment because we're literally in a bar that no one else can come into with an open bar, having fun and talking about a movie. When you lean on your system and say, everyone, I need your help. Can you help me? It's amazing that when you've shared your idea and talked about it, when you've done it, that that system's there to help you. It's, um, we're not live streaming, are we? No, we're not. All right. So come on over and have a drink. I can yeah. say <laughs> you can always service. come to Dirty Bills and have a drink, 100%. Please do. But, and, and, and actually, I think it's funny that that's, that, that's, that's a bit of the takeaway, that, that you can always come on over and get a drink. That's the point of those roots. Yeah. That's the point of that history. That, that what, what, I, what I also love to talk about with regard to technology is that we, we all too often neglect our, the history Right. Forget your roots for a second, perhaps. Yeah. But what's the history of the technology that you're working in? Mm -hmm. Because unequivocally, you're building upon something else. You're building upon somebody else's technology. Absolutely. Uh, and, and when you approach the market, when you approach investors, when you when you go out and try to save the world, uh, if you don't know what that history is, you're leaving something out. You're you're neglecting, frankly, something that's going to help you. You're, you're neglecting the, the the more macroeconomic roots. Right? You're neglecting the fact that you have a whole company called Stark, or you've got people that are going to take care of you, or, or you've got friends that, that don't understand what you're going through, or you've got co-founders uh, that will pick up the slack when, when the shit hits the fan. Um, if, if you're not embracing that and supporting that and, and building that, you're not going to make it. Yeah. I'm, truly, I'm, I'm certain of it. You're not going to make it. I've been working with startups for 20 years. I've seen it way too often that every single startup fails, every single startup fails, because they don't have the right people involved to get through the hard times, not not to figure out how to succeed, but just to accept the fact that work with the fact that somebody's going to rip your heart out. And you're going to be laying on the floor in your garage. <laughs> yeah. But but you know what? You're not dead yet. Yeah, <laughs> we got we got a way to pick you back up and keep going. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got his, his support group, right? Is she saved that heart, his support group. And it it blows my mind when it. it the I love the humility when people ask for help, right? I love the outreach and go, hey, do you think you could help me? And it's like, absolutely. I would love to help you. Versus the, the, the person that goes, see my finished product, and you don't, you know that they worked on it by themselves, alone, in a vacuum. And I'm unfortunately the blunt person that points out and goes, okay, but here's the 20 things I see wrong. Here's the things, I love your concept, now let's evolve it. And they're like, no, I, I, this is how I want to launch it. Like, I've, I've waited 20 months in my basement, my Cheeto fingers ready to go. Like, this is how I'm going to do it. And, and it, it's like, no, you're missing out on, you think technology is ones and zeros. And technology, 
and entrepreneurship and launching a company, whether it's brick and mortar or, or tech, is, is about a community. And if you don't have that, I mean, I don't have reviews on iTunes without a community. I don't have friends listening and giving me feedback without a community. No, you don't. But but the challenge that most entrepreneurs have is they're chasing money, right? They're chasing income or customers or yep. revenue. And, 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 and so what I love about your passion for this and what we're doing here and, and what, what again, now granted, of course, Tony Stark is wealthy, but, yeah. but he's also dying, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so we kind of replace, we replace money with life yeah. in, in the narrative, right? And, and it's, and it's that, that you have to appreciate that success is not defined by that, that explicit definition that mm -hmm. in order for the or, show or to this get, right here. Right, <laughs> the scene, so, the scene right here. Like this is the scene where it's like the door's locked. Are right, you may have community, you may not. The door's locked. Wait, my card's not working. I can't get past this door. And then someone walks up and they're like, "I got, I got it." Exploded. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> but but and and the point I wanted to make about uh, you know customers and and the fact that too many entrepreneurs struggle with the idea that they have to make money is that no validation building those roots mm -hmm. building the team building the support validating what you're doing it's a series of steps it's a series of little steps where right in, in the case of the show you get a couple folks who say that's a pretty good idea i'm in yeah i'll do it with you and then and then you put a couple out there and you get some positive feedback you're like huh i guess we should do this and then somebody gives you a mixer that you don't know how to use yeah like, all right <laughs> But they've just given me a mix. They've invested in what you're doing, right? Yeah. They've just given me something that's going to make this work in a much more professional way. I got to figure out how to use it. But we'll get there, right? That that to me is how businesses and companies and entrepreneurs and and, and professionals in, in general develop. That they they've got to take those incremental steps and and build the community as as you go, mm -hmm. right? And as you build the community, one of those questions becomes, all right, I really got to pay my mortgage, so. <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 how do we fund this thing, right? How, do, how is this going to get capitalized? And, and of course, in Stark's case, it, it is capitalized. <laughs> but, but the the funding, the 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 the, uh, uh, the what's metaphor? Yeah. The metaphor in Stark's case, right, is is of course life and death, not yeah. funding or not, right? They've got the funding. The metaphor here is life and death. And so, what I love is that each of those little milestones is validating that someone will help him survive. They'll give them the heart back. They'll blow the wall down, right? Somebody's going to help them survive so that eventually this thing can come to life. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, and, and life and death is the extreme versus finance, right? I mean, if you, well, you lose your house, you've got your Unless you're a business life. owner. Yeah. I mean, sure. But, yeah. but if you're a business owner, it is, right? It really is. Absolutely. It, and, and it might be the validation of, you know, your, your wife, your significant other saying, hey, we've got bills. How are you paying for this? What are you doing? I'm glad you've recorded 30 of these, but there's the debt collector running after Pepper right there, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? How are we going to feed this family? And you've got to look and go, and sometimes you have to be honest and go, I don't know. I have something here and I'm going to figure out how to capitalize on it. Just like I'm going to figure out how to use the soundboard. We're going to figure it out. And in that, there's got to be this, it goes past patience. It goes past, it goes to almost a religious zeal of faith. Yeah. I have faith that we're going to do this. 
and there's some people outside singing right now. They're very excited. I think they're protesting the scooters in Austin. Are they really? That's the new hot thing to do here. You know, I mean, I don't. I saw one of the scooters. Here's here's my thing. For scooters, and they're going to put these motorized scooters all over the U.S., so don't think this is just a local Austin thing. Hey, man, right on the sidewalk. You're not a bike, so when you start riding down the middle of the street, it freaks me out. I agree. And, and <laughs> I mean, I, I know our you, sidewalks are dog shit here. I think, but it is the most, I think it's the most brilliant addition to any city. It's one of those things where if your city's dealing with transportation issues and trying to figure out what to do, suddenly something happens and everybody's like, huh, huh. Why didn't we think of that? Yes. What's going up, on? You can pick up one of these scooters and for a couple of bucks, get all the way across town. Yeah. It's really reasonable. You do it with your app. They're really smart. Well, they're, they're uh, killing the pedicab people. Like if someone should be secretly protesting, right? It should be the pedicabbers who are like, listen, <laughs> fuck these scooters. Get them out of town. I mean, damn near drunk, you can ride these things. And as a pedicab, you want to get across town to pedicab? It's a hundred bucks. There are certainly risks, right? Yeah. And, and, and But that's... It almost gets us back to the film. If we're going to innovate and do different things and find solutions and change mm -hmm. things for the better, yeah, some of it's not going to right work. Some of it's not going to be that smart. It's not. But if we don't do it, if we if we say just don't do things because of the risks, then then we end up with exactly what we are right now. And we now, know there are better ways. We know there are better ways. Now, in the in fight scene, this is one of the things I want to talk to you about because I always and this has come up. I believe CNBC did a piece on this. The Wall Street Journal's done it. I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe that was BuzzFeed and Business Insider instead. Don't quote me, bro science. Um, we have the big machinery that is the Iron Man replica, which is huge. And then we have Iron Man and they're fighting in the city. Here's the one thing that, that is not talked about enough in the line of, uh, uh, of these stories, which is in this world, there's a lot of destruction that happens. When big boys fight, there's a lot of destruction. Is the gentle pushback across the board on, like I, I look at this and I'm like, it doesn't, it's, it terrifies me not that we could have Iron Man or, or Superman or the Hulk or Wonder Woman. It terrifies me that if they get into a fight, Austin's done, <laughs> you know, LA is gone because they fight on a different level. I wonder how much this costs. To have a superhero how much does it like let's bring it back to bezos and understanding where you get your tax credits versus how many people are on welfare that work work for your company what is the cost of having a superhero what is the cost of having a super entrepreneur is it worth it is it worth it because of the dream that inspires so many people to run forward or is it a or the cost benefit analysis says no matter what the dream is no matter where you're going you're still crushing 30 city buses and it doesn't fucking matter. Unequivocally, yes. <laughs> Two. But, but, yeah, I'm going to caveat it. Okay, please. You're, you're making me think. I try Cause, to. Cause, cause I'm, you're drinking I'm, whiskey now, so that's I'm a thinking man's drink. How dare you, sir? <laughs> and, I, and I had to get the top shelf because I couldn't find the, find the bottom shelf. Dude, there's um, nothing wrong with that. That's just good eyes. Uh, I, I've, said this, I've said this on social media. Now it's going to be on the air. Uh, I think one of Austin's biggest challenges... And, and a way to answer that, that thought, one of Austin's biggest challenges is, is that there is no leadership. There, there is no vision for what Austin could be and should be. When, when that exists, uh -huh. right? When there's something to aspire to collectively, uh, then unequivocally, yes. The, the entrepreneur coming in, the, the superhero coming in and destroying things, 
is, is what's considered creative destruction, right? Let's get rid of what's not working as long as, as long as we're consistent with that vision and that leadership and we end up with something more consistent with what we all want, right? Okay. If, if, we're, if we're fixing the job issue, if we're, if we're fixing the transportation issue, if we're uh, retaining our creative class and our culture and building something that, that we really want Austin to be, unequivocally, hands down, every single time, yes. Uh, super entrepreneur, superhero, and the destruction they cause is a good thing. Okay. The problem is, most places, uh, like here, I, I'm concerned about most places don't have that direction. They don't. They don't have that outcome that we started talking about at the beginning of the show. Yep. They they don't have in mind what we want to be. What they have in mind is what it is right now, uh-huh. and a little bit of a dream and 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 desire for it to be what it once was. Right? I, man, I wish things were like if they were in the '50s because. I loved Leave It to Beaver, and and, and the, the family was perfect, and, and what the hell happened? Well, she got hit. It, it actually wasn't that good. Yeah, I mean, she got <laughs> right? beat because her, I mean, they, they had rules. <laughs> and, and that's the key, that, yeah. that I, I loved, I loved Uber being in Austin. I really did. Why? Because this city was not doing crap about the transportation issues, the, the infrastructure and traffic issues. And so Uber came in and said, you know what? We're going to change everything, whether you like it or not. And destructive, Austin, destructive change, right? Yep. And Austin, the city of Austin, a lot of Austinites said, "No, no, no, no. We didn't. We don't want that because it's not. It's not born here. Mm-hmm. We we didn't do it. You're from California, right? And and what do we do? We kind of shut it down. Only to have Texas go. <laughs> no, that's yeah. okay. And what and what now? Now you can pick up a car across town for few bucks right we're actually fixing the issues now the one thing that so i did an argument and uh i had helped launch favor when it was here in austin sure yeah pr firm years ago and uh one of the arguments that i gave and i talked with uh, my friend jane wells at cnbc shout out to jane wells one of my dear friends lover to death but um i said in this world of the let's just call it a shared economy even though we're not sharing anything you're still paying for stuff you're just paying for it differently mm-hmm. so, Uber had uh, uh, favor had had sold over a million dollars in food in a year, so it's a million new dollars of taxable revenue. People that weren't going out and buying food were getting food delivered to them. Their number one delivery thing was pizza, which was weird because Domino's and Pizza Hut and other people deliver, but they still used favor and adding an extra delivery charge. So you've got two taxable units right there, right? Sure. The favor being taxed, and I said it's it's interesting that Uber is removing taxable income. Right, so the taxes that taxis pay, the taxes that other public transportation companies pay to be on the roads is being removed and Uber's coming in. Yep. And I wonder in what time in this world where Uber is this blunt force and it doesn't see, it's a hammer and it doesn't see a nail, it just sees a city and slams down on it versus a favor or, or someone else comes in and says, we're going to build, we're, gonna, we're actually going to give you more money. We are a, we are a tax resource for you. You're, you're touching on though the bigger the bigger picture of that Amazon HQ2 argument. Yes, I am that, exactly that. Yes, Uber did come in and and supplant the taxis. And I, I remember making a point in an article, and I spoke at one of the commission meetings. I think I remember this. That that hang on a second, there aren't any taxis in Austin. You're, you're, <laughs> so there's five. You're creating a BS <laughs> argument. <laughs> because, there's five people paying taxes. Because yeah, you're right. Uber's not going to pay taxes. Yeah, Gen- genuine point. Well, we don't have taxes to begin with, so we're not saving any jobs. And if I raise my hand on Congress, six in Congress, I'm not getting a taxi to save my life. 
Yeah, there aren't any. Yeah. And I made that point because right after Uber and Lyft pulled out of Austin, what happened? Suddenly there were a ton of taxis in Austin. <laughs> you could you could line up at the airport and there was a line of taxis. You'd stand in front of the, the W and there were a line of taxis. Those taxis did not exist That's before true. Uber was here. So the creative uh, d destruction, you could argue, actually kind of resulted in, in fact, taxis showing up by making the case, making the argument that, hang on, Uber, you're going to destroy the tax base, you're going to destroy jobs. They didn't. What they yeah. actually did was they created jobs. Now, granted, those jobs don't pay well. They're not jobs. They're, they're people who have cars who want to make some money. Yeah. It's not a job. You, you do not get a job driving for Uber. It's not a taxi driver. But what, what happened is they put money into the industry, into the ecosystem, because now people can make money driving their car around. And they caused taxis to show up, which is good. Mm -hmm. And they caused a bunch of scooters to now show up and say, hang on a second. There's we a lot of this. different ways we could do this. Yeah. We don't need to solve transportation by putting up freeways and toll roads all over the place. There's a lot of different ways we could do it. We're not going to depend on you to figure it out. Hi. Hi. So that's the secret. No, we are. Uh, it's, it's interesting. So uh, Ophira Eisenberg just walked in. God bless her. She is a stand-up comic. We are doing. I'm doing a podcast with her next. This next. Is, welcome. Paul welcome to the bar. Welcome to Dirty Bills. You are welcome to the bar, young lady. Well, we are closing out. Iron Man, he's just about ready to actually let everyone know that he's Iron Man. And, and I want to close on this because, and we're going to come full circle here. One is the world of the PR spin, right? And I've done PR for 23 years, and I've always told people, don't spin. Own it. Own what you're doing. Be a fan of who you are and what you want to achieve. And if someone says, no, I don't like that, if someone says, yeah, but your Yelp rating is a four or a three, figure out culturally how to fix things, but own it. Don't hide behind things. Take it on the chin as an adult and move forward because that's where you're going to win at the end. And what I love about Tony Stark is he gets the PR spin from S.H.I.E.L.D. And this is his first break from S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. thinks they have him, they've helped him out. They've destroyed the monster, everything's done, and like, here's your talking points. And you can see it viscerally through his eyes and through his, just through how he communicates with Pepper as a great actor that Robert Downey Jr. is. You can see that he's looking at her going, I'm gonna let everyone know I'm fucking Iron Man. This is my, this is my <laughs> right, right here. I mean, this is where, this is where I want us to turn the volume up and. <laughs> You know, there's a romantic moment here, so we could do a little here, there, wherever you. Ah, but it's my second favorite scene because of that. Because if you think about the the process of an exceptional story in an exceptional film, yeah, you start and you end with similar ideas. Yep. And the start of our podcast and the start of the film was him getting in front of a, a reporter, eating a cheeseburger, and just and just going with it. Yeah. Right? No, no, the one at, the one at Caesar's Palace. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. Just going with it. I'm just going to talk to you. And I don't really care about you. I'm just going to talk about it. Right? And and then he ends with, now, a lot of people have said, here's what you need to say, and here's how, and and S.H.I.E.L.D. will give you money. Right? I'm playing the entrepreneur game again. Yep. S.H.I.E.L.D. will give you money. Do it this way. And military will give you money. Do it this way. But he's staying true to himself, and he's taking these cards and, and most people have never even talked about it or realized it. He's taking the card. There's the reporter. We just there saw it is, her yeah. He's taking the cards. And he's like, okay, oh, I've studied them. Fuck. I got it. <laughs> I know what you want me to say. Screw it. It's not consistent with 
who I am and what we're building. This is the beer on the stage. Right. This is the moment where you have the opportunity. Be the suit. Look it. And everybody in the room is going, are you you sure about this? Read the cards. (laughs) Dear Diary. Are you sure about this? I'm a lying sack of shit. All right. I get get what my investors, what the market, what my customers, what, what the Senate, what the U.S. Senate I'm right. He's Mark Zuckerberg right there. Yep. I get what y'all want Boom. me to say. Uh, nope. No. <laughs> Sorry. Got to go. We're going to. And, and, and on that, and as ACDC begins and closes this, as the theme begins and closes, uh, well, I can't thank you enough. On short notice, coming out. Here, this here. is going to be fun. Uh, this will drop on Monday. Perfect. So I'll let you know when it drops. If you could share, that'd be great. We're going to have some fun. Um, you're welcome back anytime. We will have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Dick just walked in the house as we're closing out this first one. That, he is my twin brother. Better looking and smarter than me. He is, Much man. more successful. Like Has a it. pool and everything. You're a little grayer, but... I'm a little grayer. I could not I could not pick out the difference. You can't... You, you're not You're not going to tell the difference. Wait, until which you one do an going to go test. bald and become the evil villain? Uh, that's going to be Dick for sure. <laughs> All right. Hey, Paul, thanks again, man. I really appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers, Jason, man. Cheers. Talk to you guys later.